is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 139 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and I give my opinion about the news that I read and the shows that I watch. If you're new to this podcast, number one, you should literally subscribe or download my podcast. That way you guys can stay up to date. And number two, let me introduce myself. I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes, the best person. Shino Phoenix, the best Phoenix you'll ever meet. And I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode of this podcast. Oh boy, we got a lot of big stories to talk about today. Only two big stories. WWE's doing their bloodbath last night. And we also have a big story revolving John Moxley. So those are the two biggest talking points that... I want to get into for this episode. Of course, we're going to talk about Dynamite. We're going to talk about Raw, which surprisingly was not that bad. NXT, I mean, I have less things to say about NXT now. Like, there's really not much I could say about it. And of course, we got SmackDown and Rampage and some other news. So if you're new to professional wrestling, this is your guy here. I will guide you to um, the current stuff that we got going on right now. Now, you guys know the drill when it comes to social media. If you're new, write it on your notebook or type it on your phone because I'm like a broken record. And three, two, one, here we go. If you're not following me on Twitter, follow me at ShinoDPhoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, and on rare occasions, Rampage, Impact, New Japan, and other wrestling promotions. I also use Twitter to... Shout out some of my amazing friends that I've made, whether it's on Twitch, which I will get into in a second, and I just talk about what's on my mind, literally. Now, speaking of Twitch, if you're into gaming like me, because gaming is like my other hobby, make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. I do live stream, uh, like, like either three or four weeks. Per- four days per week and if I'm not busy which you know I got a job then uh, I could try and stream hopefully we don't have to deal with other my uh, streams crashing a lot because I've been having that issue lately and that's pretty much that if you have Instagram follow me on Instagram coolmansip that's CYP by the way I do post gaming stuff I do post stories on there And, um, I just like to show my little personality on, uh, Instagram. So you might like me. You'll probably like me. Cool man service is the name. And finally, well, hold on. Not finally. If you have a Facebook page, no, 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 no. If you have a Facebook follow, like the Facebook page, no one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on what's going on like if there's anything going on with the podcast and just I'll let y'all know on that and I also tested something out uh, Wednesday I did a little watch along on my discord and if you are not part of my discord um, feel free to join if you want to be a part of it DM me on Twitter or Instagram that way I can send you a link that way you could be a part of my Discord. Um, 
if you want to email me your questions because my mailbag is always open email me your questions at the one and only phoenix 1993 at gmail.com please include your name and where you're from that way i can shout you out on this show because i care for my listeners i really do and i wish and i really mean it i will shout you out on the show so with all that said let's get right into the news and let's talk some aew shall we now everyone's been asking when are we going to have um a streaming service for aew now for those who don't know dynamite made their debut on october of 2019 and they pretty much over delivered and they are succeeding right now but there's a lot of room that they can improve on now it's even tony khan has commented on the possibility of aew getting a streaming service now, with an exception of Rampage earlier this year, the company has more content than ever before. Due to this, many fans have wondered if AEW will ever get a streaming service. Tony Schiavone previously stated that AEW streaming service is likely to launch towards the end of next year. It is also said that the company is building a library for content for a future streaming service as well. Tony Khan was the latest guest on when he was speaking to Monaco Streaming Film Festival and he talked about a potential streaming service which the company lacks uh, so far. Now Khan stated that it is still something to be worked on but it is optimistic about launching one in the future. Now Tony Khan said and I quote Boss Stool asked me about it and there's great demand for it. I'm excited to talk more about it because we're building each week a great library of content it gets better and better and we can provide more new content but I'm excited to tell people about that but it's still something that we're working on so it's is a different um, subject okay he's like free ads supported streaming TV is a different subject now there could be a lot of content that could be fast content that is not the premium content I'm never going to put the $50 pay-per-views on every episode of Dynamite on Fast. It's just, let's see, it's just um, not going to make sense. But there there may be some of our programming like Dark and things like that, which are our developmental uh, shows. Or even some of these things we're talking about, like conversational shows. That's great for Fast. Like... I would much rather have a couple of people have a cup of coffee and talk about wrestling on fast. It feels like a much a pro, much more appropriate place for people to sit down and watch that than on network television. Now it remains to be seen how AEW will implement its streaming services. With streaming being the norm in many places, the company certainly has a lot to live up to and I think they might... My take, literally, I think they could have a streaming service possibly by next year. And um, if you haven't been watching like the beginning years of AEW, I think that would be the perfect place to uh, get people interested in the product. And I, I guarantee next year, either by the end of next year or the middle or the beginning of 2022 or in 2023, we might get the announcement of AEW having a streaming service which I would not mind that way they could stream their pay-per-views instead of paying uh, $50 every pay-per-view that they have to watch 
Like, I think that would be a really great idea. So, I hope Tony Khan takes note on that. I think that would be good. And I, I think that would be another way you could get content like being the elite on there. You could get um the AEW game video game stuff on there. You could do your own series there. Like your own documentaries. Something like that. I think that would be a really good idea. That's just how I would see things. 2022 is going to be a year where AEW will be moving to... T- will move from TNT to TBS on the 5th of January. Now, Warner Media confirmed that AEW will hold four specials a year starting in 2022 in, on TNT. Now, Andrew Zarian on the Matman podcast is reporting that he was told by a source that there is a TNT special planned on the 8th of January. He's heard that the name of the show could be Battle of the Belts, which was a show first held by the NWA and CW, like CWF Championship Wrestling from Florida back in 1985. The first event was headlined by NWA World Champion Ric Flair beating Wahoo McDaniel in the best two out of three falls match. And Zarian wrote, Per source, AEW's planning a TNT special on January 8th. They're obviously not able to use the name Clash of the Champions due to WWE owning the rights. However, I'm hearing that the possible name from the show would be Battle of the Belts, a throwback to NWA and CFW from. The second and third Battle of the Belts shows were held in 1986 before CWF went out of business in 1987. All the belts on the line. I think that would be great. Great television if you ask me. Man, next year can't come any sooner. I think that's going to be really fun. I honestly think that's going to be a fun year for us as uh, a wrestling as wrestling fans. And all the titles defended until we get to the next big pay-per-view. I love it. I think this is great television. Why not? I love it. And I think that's going to do some really good numbers. Now, this is something I didn't know about. Um, The Blade recently took to Instagram and he revealed that um, he's been dealing with anxiety, depression, and confidence issues. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, The AEW wrestler hasn't worked on for AEW since October 6th as he was part of a dark elevation tape and prior to the live event episode of Dynamite that night. Now, in a post, um, the Blade mentioned that he has noticed an extreme spike of those emotions during the pandemic and another recent spikes that led to him talking with AEW executives about it. This is what he wrote. Hello, my name is Jesse, uh, I don't know if I pronounced his last name right, Gomet, if I pronounced it wrong, I'm sorry, um, and I struggle with anxiety, depression, and confidence issues. Uh, I first noticed an extreme spike in these feelings during the pandemic, which also made me realize I've suffered from those issues all of my life. I just didn't recognize what they were until then. So I reached out to help from some friends and family and tried to couple therapy, tried a couple therapists and thought I had it under control from the self-management until I had another spike recently. So I took a more drastic measure this time and talked to the executives of All Elite Wrestling. 
Getting the courage to speak up to them was more difficult than it sounds. I'd like to express a huge thanks to thank you to your doctor who lives. Um, Meg, I don't know if I pronounced it right. Um, and Tony Khan and everyone at AEW. When I'm not feeling the best, I simply remember that every response I've received from people I've opened up to has been incredibly positive and supportive. It feels good um, to tell you this, to take off the mask, and it helps to talk about my struggles instead of holding them inside. And I feel more confident and comfortable around people. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry I've been distant lately. I love you. I can't wait to see you soon. Since arriving in AEW, the Blade and the Butcher have been... Well, that's just... That's in the quoting. Since arriving in AEW, the the Butcher and the Blade have been a fixture in the tag team division. AEW did book the Butcher in the singles action in the latest dark taping last month. And look, I'm glad that um, the Blade came out and he talked about the dealing with depression and anxiety and having doubts on self-confidence. And I'm glad he talked to AEW executives about it because, look, it's okay to um, open up about what you're going through. And I want everybody to do the same. Like, you don't have to hide it from everybody. Just talk to the people that you're close with. Talk to the people that can understand you. And um, I guarantee you're going to get results like that. Like... He opened up about it with his fans now, which is good. And I hope he continues fighting. He continues that fight. And he comes back even stronger. That's just how I see it. Good on the blade for coming out talking about uh, what he's dealing with. Now, before we get to the big story, let's talk about the um, relationship between Impact and AEW. Now, Tony Khan was interviewed by Wrestling Observer Live and he pretty much said that there was nothing booked right now with Impact Wrestling but the door is still open to work with them in the future. Now Ringside News, take those guys with a grain of salt, they were the first to report a couple weeks ago that AEW and Impact's relationship was going to be ending after Bound for Glory. Christian Cage was booked in that Bound for Glory main event, lost to Josh Alexander until Moose cashed in on Alexander and won. Now, the relationship has closed the door for now on some of the matches that they've, that have been pitched for the talent. Like, Britt Baker and Deanna Peraza were close friends, and they pitched working together. You had Kenny Omega, Christian Cage, Tony Khan. You had Private Party and Matt Hardy appearing in Impact. The Good Brothers have been regulars on... um. On the elite, I don't know if we've seen him that much on Dynamite lately. So that's another thing we gotta mention that as well. We haven't been seeing them on uh, Dynamite. I don't know if it's because I don't know. This might be a change. I don't know. But like I said, that door is closed for now. But I hope they open it again. But I don't think they have any ideas uh, at this moment. So. Looks like Impact's going to worry about themselves. AEW's going to worry about themselves. And I don't have an issue with that at all. I really don't. Um, We have an update on Anthony Agogo. Now, you may remember him 
from uh, one of the pay-per-views. I believe it was either Double or Nothing or... Yeah, I think it was Double or Nothing. Um, when he had a match against Cody Rhodes and he lost. Now, Anthony Agogo has been off of television since June after having his 10th eye surgery in early July. Now, the reason for the eye su- for the surgery was due to how much scar tissue he had around his eye socket. Now, at the time, he explained that doctors had to go up his nasal cavity to correct the septum that was deviated to fix the orbital, orbital the, med- the medial section, and through the orbital floor through his nose. Just hearing that, I've... I never want to have eye surgery like that. Ogogo had issues with his left eye due to his boxing career as he only has 22% vision in that eye. There haven't been any updates on his status since the surgery up until now as QT Marshall, who is the head trainer at the Nightmare Factory, noted in an interview with Daily DDT that Ogogo recently started training after making a trip back from the UK to the United States. Now... QT said that um, he just came back. He was overseas getting everything taken care of. So we'll see. I think it's about right, the right place, right time, and trying to figure out the right story to tell. Now, Marshall doesn't think it's a good idea to have him go out and take random bumps for no reason. While he explained that to Ogogo, Marshall knows that everyone's itching to get, to get back. Now... Right now, we have a huge roster of huge stars, so it's just one of those things of going back to the drawing board and figuring it out. But in the meantime, he's been training, working out, doing what he does, and he'll be ready when that call comes. Now, Ogogo became a name for the prom- for the promotion after having a few with Cody Rhodes that resulted in a match in which he lost at double or nothing this year. So, yeah, I was right. It was this year. So, look, I'm glad that he's recovering. I'm glad that he's back on his feet training. I don't know if they should return. He should return so early because I don't want him to uh, be lost. Well, he might be lost in the shuffle on what story they might give him. I don't know. But it's just, what do you do with a go-go after he gets back in the ring? That's the question. That is the big question. And like I said, I'm just glad that he's healthy. I'm glad he's training, trying to get back on his feet. That way um, he could uh, get comfortable in doing transitioning out of boxing into pro wrestling. Like, I'm just glad he's okay. And I'm glad the surgery went well as, t- as well. I'm really glad that it went well. So that's pretty much that. Now, the big story in AEW revolves John Moxley. Originally on Dynamite, he was supposed to take on Orange Cassidy in the uh, semifinals, but that got that didn't happen because Tony Khan made the announcement on Twitter that John Moxley will be entering an imp- an impatient alcohol treatment program. Now Khan tweeted, "John Moxley has allowed me to share with you that he's entering an impatient uh inpatient alcohol treatment program." John is a beloved member of the AEW family, and we all stand with him and Renee and all of his family and friends as he shifts his focus to recovery. John is making a very brave choice to get help, and we're we're embracing his choice, and we're support, and supporting him however we can. 
Um, I'm proud to call John a friend. And like many of you, I'm also a fan of Mox and look forward to a time in the future where he is eventually ready to return in the ring. Until then, thank you for supporting John and respecting his privacy at this time. So, like, I wish John well. I hope that um, everything goes well for him because I know he has a daughter and he wants to be... Like, we we didn't know that he was going through this... Um, like, when I saw that announcement, I was kind of shocked. Like, I was really shocked. And to see the love that he's getting, not just from people in AEW, but from every wrestling company. Like, from the talent who has known John Moxley. Just shows how much he, um, how much they care about him. And you have Renee Paquette, um, thanking people on Twitter. And this is what she said. She's like, Thanks for this outpouring of support. Um, John is every bit of a badass we all know him to be. I could I couldn't be more proud of uh of him for getting the proper help he needs. Being given the space to put his health first, which is something that everybody needs to do. Like if you're a t- like no matter what you do, always put your health first. That's just me adding on to that. And couldn't possibly love this man more. Like I mentioned, Moxley was scheduled to face Orange Cassidy at the tournament, but he had more important things to worry about, and I'm glad that he took that took care of that first than worrying about being in the finals of a tournament. And like I said, I wish him nothing but the best in this road to recovery and just the outpouring of love that he's been getting on social media from fans, from the talents, from different promotions. I guarantee, I really guarantee that everything's going to be better in the end. And, like, I'm just happy that he is seeking, he's getting help first. And it's okay to ask for help. And, like, I'm proud of John Moxley for that. I really am. And, um, I hope everything goes well for uh, Moxley. Because, and I'm glad that he... Put his health first. That's the thing that matters. I think everybody should do that. Put your health first before you come back. And I like it. I think that's great. And this makes me respect John Moxley even more. Like, it really does. Like, proud of this man. I'm really proud of him. Now, let's talk AEW Dark Elevation and Dark. Quickly go through the results if you haven't watched um the shows. We had Nyla Rose and Emi Sakura defeating Chris Statlander and Ryo Mizunami. This is on Dark Elevation. Frankie Kazarian defeating Victor Benjamin. Riho defeated Kayla Sparks. FTR defeated Jalen uh, uh, Brett Brandley. And Trayvon Jordan, also known as Waves and Curls. I believe that's their tag team name. Ty Conti defeated L- LMK. And Best Friends defeated The Acclaim and Serpentico. Now on Dark, we had Santana and Ortiz defeating Joe Coleman and Idris Abraham. Nyla Rose defeated Viva Vaughn. Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson defeated Eli Knight and um, Malik Basid. Daniel Garcia defeated RSP. John Silver and Alex Reynolds of The Dark Order defeated uh, Sean Carr and... uh, Marcus Cross. 
The Acclaim, I forgot who they were up against, but they got a win on Dark. The Bunny defeated Santana Garrett. And we're seeing a lot, a little bit more of Santana Garrett on AEW a little bit. So, I like that. I think she's getting a, a look at as well. 2.0 defeated Bison XL and Toa Leona. Red Velvet defeated Chalance Royale. Bobby Fish defeated Ryzen. Tony Nese defeated Fuego Del Sol. And Pac defeated Tiger Huas. So that was um, both Dark Elevation and AEW Dark. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite, which I thought was a really enjoyable show. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a fun show. Um, it took place at the Cable Dahmer Arena at Independence, Missouri. And we kicked things off with uh, Kenny Omega versus Allen Angels, which I thought they had a good opening match. And Omega won with three V triggers. It's kind of weird seeing Allen Angels without the mask. I think he looked even better with the mask. I'm just saying. That's just my honest opinion. Now, post-match, um, Omega, he gets on the mic and he's he thanks Allen for their first match because... Because... He embarrassed Omega. Since then, Omega has gone only up through. And he says, I have the power to give and also take away. So he calls for Nakazawa to give him a chair. And he goes for the one-winged angel when all of a sudden, Hangman Page heads to the ring. He takes down Nakazawa. Um, Omega goes for the chair shot. But Angels yanks it away. And Page goes for the buckshot lariat. But Omega ducks and he he managed to get away like he rolled out of the ring to escape and he Paige eyes the title in the ring and he picks it up picks up the microphone and he's like hey Kenny you may have forgotten something and he tossed the title to the edge of the ring and tells him hold it tight because you have 10 days left as champion I I love this storyline with uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega and I think it's that time to pull the trigger on Hangman Page winning the title. And I want Hangman Page to be the first person to kick out of the one-winged angel. And you save that buckshot lariat, and it would be a crowd-pleasing moment for Hangman Page to walk out the new AEW World Champion at full gear. That is, like, literally my prediction, since we only got a couple days left. We get... um. A Malachi Black promo saying that Tony Khan's decision to ban him from ringside um, during tonight's bout between Andrade and Cody Rhodes won't matter. And he recalls when Julius Caesar was killed, it wasn't just Marcus that betrayed him. I wonder what that could be about. We don't know who, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But I'm actually intrigued by that promo. CM Punk, he comes out in the ring. And he has a microphone, and when he talks, you shut up and listen. He says, there are two people today who aren't here. One of them, one is not here, and it's a legitimate reason to not be here, and that's John Moxley. And he's asking the crowd to chant his name, which they did. He's like, I had a history with Moxley, but we aren't best friends. He says he understands having to go having to go and go and go, be super generous, and eventually you have to take yourself off the hamster wheel. He's, he said he was once criticized for that, and he didn't. He doesn't want Moxley to get any criticism because 
He's damn proud of Moxley, which I love that line right there. That was a shoot. Like, that was not like a promo. That was like speaking from the heart from uh, CM Punk. And so much so, it got more Moxley chants. He says, if anyone's at home, and this is a really good advice. If anyone at home is in a place where they need help, please get it. Text somebody. Call somebody. And he says there were a lot of times when he wished he asked for help and he didn't because he was trying to be a tough guy. Which, all that part right there, that was from the heart. That was from the heart. Now, the second part was the promo. He's like, speaking of tough guys, the other person not here tonight is Eddie Kingston. Now, Punk said, I'd rather talk to him face-to-face, but he has to do it like this. He says, I didn't appreciate getting interrupted last night. And you got a fan yelling out, fight him. And Punk said, I would, but he's not here. And he tells Kingston that St. Louis is just up the road on Friday. And he'll be there to accept Kingston's apology then. He says there was an open spot tonight in the tournament, but... He can't go, and that he can't go that route until he settles things with Eddie Kingston. And Punk says he'll find out what kind of person Kingston is on Friday on Rampage. Eddie Kingston and CM Punk in the ring, same ring, with a microphone at hand. Oh, Rampage is going to be magical. I could tell you that right now. Like, I'm like. The two matches, I know John Silver and Adam Cole is going to be good, but I'm only here for CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. That's all I'm here for. I think that's going to be fun. But I enjoyed this segment. I thought this was great. Uh, CM Punk speaking about Moxley, giving a message to the fans, saying that if you you, uh, need help, if you're in a place where you need help, get it. I love that line. And that's the message that that was uh, from that John Moxley story. If you need help, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to uh, tell somebody that you need help. Because you're saving yourself from what you might do. But And I like that from CM Punk. That's very classy of him. And, like I said, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk, that's going to be fucking awesome. If it's not a full gear match, that's a... That's, they're dropping the ball right there. I want that to be a match at full gear. We had Alex Marvez, who was backstage with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. The super click. And he's asking them what's up for full gear. And Cole saying the first says they lost last week was just a fluke. And Nick says they're the tough guys and they aren't afraid of anyone. And out comes Christian Cage, the former Impact World Champion. And... Matt says to think twice about it on what you're doing because it's three of us and only only one of you. So Luchasaurus shows up and Matt says, look, they're grown adults and we can talk this out. And they try to walk away and they go for the cheap shot and they ended up brawling on, into the uh, arena and it ended with um, Christian hitting... A concerto to Adam Cole, and he's. I love how Adam Cole sells the uh, concerto. It kind of reminds me of Edge a little bit. But if you want to know the detail, the full detail, this is what happened. Um, the elite they were getting some momentum until Jungle Boy flips off the stage and he takes out uh, three guys, 
you got more battling on the stage, and then Christian is getting ready for the kill switch on Matt, but Nick super kicks him. Adam Cole crawls out of the stage away from Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy hits a hurricanrana on Matt, sending him down the ramp, and he you have Luchasaurus chokeslamming Nick on Adam Cole's back, which looked fucking brutal. Jungle Boy put Cole to sleep with the snare trap, and Christian, like I mentioned, brings out two chairs, and he hits a concerto to Adam Cole, which I think this is setting up a, a six-man tag at uh, full gear. I don't know. I think that's the idea. We're just going to have to wait and see. But it should be a fun match, though. We had the AAA tag team titles on the line as FTR defended their titles against Aerostar in the debuting Samurai Del Sol, the former Kalisto in WWE. I thought they had a fun match. And I'm happy that um, Kalisto got the chance to showcase what he could fucking do. He is so goddamn good. And hopefully we see more of him. So much so that Sasha Banks was happy for him. She was excited to see him make his debut. Now, FTR, they retained, which was not a surprise. They retained over Samurai Del Sol and Aerostar in a fun match. I thought the Inner Circle uh, segment kind of dragged a little bit, but it was it was okay. It was okay, in my honest opinion. So they were out to announce which American top team member will join Men of the Year in their upcoming Full Gear match. So Jericho takes the mic and he gives props to Sammy Guevara for picking up the win last week. So, so um, they could make their picks. So American Top Team is out there with Dan Lambert and he's immediately talking. He's getting fucking booed so loudly you could barely hear what he's saying. Like, he has that, him and MJF have that heat that I feel like they are so great at being heels that you just can't take it away from them. They're just so good. Um, <clears throat> You had... He tells Jericho to make his pick so he can get out of this town. So they're, they're bickering back and forth. And Lambert mentions how he created his team 25 years ago. And it has become the best team in the world. Which makes him at uh, American team member number one. You have the crowd chanting a shut the fuck up, which I love hearing. That's funny. Lambert asked him if their parents taught them any manners. I laughed at that. I thought that was pretty funny. He he introduces the other American top team members um, with him on stage. You had Jake Hager picking Junior Dos Santos, calling him Popeye. Oh, that's a great line. Look at me being sarcastic. Like I thought, it's, I thought that line kind of sucked. He says Inner Circle will drop him faster than his last fight in 71 seconds, which I thought he redeemed himself right there. Santana calls out Andre Arlovsky and makes fun of his teeth mouth guard, and he asks how uh, Arlovsky will do when there's no rules or regulation. And Lambert brings up Jericho talking a lot of trash about Paige Van Zant, and Paige, I thought she did pretty well on the mic, and if I'm AEW, I'm dead serious. If I am AEW, I will scoop Paige Van Zant up in uh, your company before WWE does. Because Ronda Rousey, she did great in her run in WWE. So I think Paige Van Zant could pick up wrestling really quickly. Shayna Baszler picked it up like 
easily once she transitioned from MMA to pro wrestling. Now, she wants a match, and she said her schedule is wide open. And I knew that they were going to make a, a joke, a sex joke. And he, Jericho, um, no, she tells the inner circle, judging by those tight pants, they don't have the balls to take her on, take her on. And she could beat all five of them. And Jericho asks, take on all five of them? Well, if that's a, that joke writes itself. And maybe you could put that on your OnlyFans page. And I'm like, I saw that coming from a mile away. Jericho says um, he could choose a bunch of people, but he will go with the guy who says he was the first member of American Top Team, Dan Lambert. And he starts freaking out saying that I didn't say that, which you did say. And Jericho says, he did. And if the crowd heard that, let let him hear fat face dipshit. And Lambert is yelling that his face isn't even that fat. And Jericho's like, we will see them in full gear. So it kind of dragged. I thought Paige Van Zandt was pretty good on the microphone. And I look, I can't get enough of Paige Van Zandt. I think she will do well in a wrestling ring. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm scooping this woman up instantly for that women's division. I think that would be great. So that's just how I see it. But I thought like this we got Dan Lambert, um Junior Dos Santos and uh Olofsky with uh men of the year taking on the inner circle. So that should be pretty interesting, I guess. We had Tony Schiavone who was backstage with Leo Rush, Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, and Lee Moriarty. And he's Tony said third time was the charm for Dante Dante Martin beating Matt Seidel. And Matt shakes Martin's hands and says, if you wanted to be trained by Leo Rush, that's fine. And I have others to train. I have Lee Moriarty to work with. And keep an eye on that kid because I think he has a bright future ahead of him. That's just me adding to that. Keep an eye on Lee because he is so good. Now, Russ says that he knows Moriarty is a talented wrestler, but not more so than Dante, especially with him in his corner. So these two teams will be meeting up. I don't know if this is going to be on Rampage. I don't know if it's going to be next week on Dynamite. We're just going to have to wait and see. I thought Jamie Hayter and Anna Jay was a decent match. It was okay. Just... Wasn't really into it that much. I thought it was fine. But like I said, Jamie Hayter advances makes the most sense. And post-match makes it even more the bigger deal. The group, Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie were beating up on Anna Jay until Ty Conti tried to make the save. But the numbers game came up and Baker is looking for the stomp on the title. And out comes Thunder Rosa. She, like, Thunder Rosa has that supersonic speed. And she blasts Hater out of the ring with a dropkick. And these two were meeting the next round. Now, speaking of Thunder Rosa, here's a story about uh, her. She recently revealed on her vlog that she suffered a concussion. Now, in the early part of the video, she noted that she hasn't been able to work out for several days due to her suffering a concussion. And that she was hopeful to get medically cleared to wrestle at an AEW event she was attending on that day. She also mentions that when you're concussed, you have to take care of your brain. And it cuts to dark tapings, which took place. 
and it looks like she was cleared, which thankfully she looks 100%, and I'm glad that she able she was able to take care of herself. And, like, can you imagine th- without Thunder Rosa on TV? I would be sad. I would be sad. Because I love Thunder Rosa. I think she's fantastic. Um, so, like I said, I, like, it sets up a lot of things. You also tease Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa for next year. We know that's going to happen. And you also got uh, Jamie Hayter and Thunder Rosa, which would be a pretty good match. Just going to have to wait and see. We had MJF out in the ring. And he's talking to Darby Allen, who was who was on the rafters during the show. And I believe it was during the AAA tag team title match. And MJF is saying, when new wrestlers come into the company, some people were sweating bullets. But not Allen on himself. He says they're the pillars, and um, they are the top guys. And MJF says he and Allen are better than the other two pillar guys. And he doesn't get why fans boo him and cheer you, Darby. It, and it says it really bothers me. He's like, I get it through. He get it, though. He's remind, He reminds the fan that some things they can never be. Allen, on the other hand, is related to the masses. And MJF says he thinks Allen's destructive behavior is because... Allen's destructive behavior is because he knows he can never be a normal functioning human. He says at full gear, you'll lose because you're weak and you won't focus on actually winning and because I'm better than you and you know it. And he says, I'm the better wrestler and... He mentions a headlock takedown, which I thought was kind of funny. Now, Allen, he's on the mic, and he says, at full gear, they're going to have a wrestling match and keep and keep your emotion in check because I'm going to let this anger out right now. Now, he passes, and he heads to the back, and you see Sting come out with a bunch of guys with MJF mask, and, and they backed him up at ringside, and you see Wardlow and Sean Spears try to come out. And it leads to a big brawl between the guys. And um, that's pretty much that. We had um, Allen make his way to MJF. And they're battling through the crowd. And MJF had an... He eye-gouged uh, Darby Allen, sending him to the retaining wall. You had Allen fighting back. And he throws MJF in the barricade a few times. And he backs away and gets a big running start to absolutely crush MJF over the barricade. He tosses MJF and he's trying to go for the coffin drop, but MJF rolls out of the ring and that's pretty much that. I thought it was okay. It was a decent, it was a good segment. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was pretty good to hype up their match for uh, full gear. We had Andrade El Idolo taking on Cody Rhodes. I thought this was... It was good. Now, I will say this. Cody Rose has been getting booed so much. A lot. Every time he takes control in the match or he has offense, they just boo the guy mercilessly. Like, I rooted for Andrade because no way Cody is going to win that match. And he didn't win the match indeed, which I was happy about. And you had FTR get involved. They hit Cody with um, the AAA titles to stop him from uh, 
uh, doing the dive. And Andrade rolls him back to the ring, hits the, I believe, Hamalock DDT, or what he calls the El Idolo, for the win. Now, Andrade and FTR, they're hugging, and commentary is saying that um, there was a money exchange for FTR services. You had FTR and Andrade beat up Cody some more, and then On gets involved and shoves Tully. So, two of the four horsemen staring at each other. And out come the Lucha Bros to clear it out. And they hit double thrust kick on Harwood. And they're looking to finish him off. But Wheeler pulls himself out of the ring. So that's pretty much that. We had uh, Tony Schiavone. Like, I thought... Now, going back, I thought it was... The post-match stuff, it was alright. I thought this part was kind of rushed because they were running low on time. Tony Schiavone, he's in the ring with John Silver, and he's pretty much hyping his upcoming match against Adam Cole, and Tony is saying that, I hope you kick um, Cole's butt. And Silver says, won't be John Silver versus Adam Cole, it's going to be John Silver versus Budge. Since um, Cole has been in AEW, Silver has tried to help Cole out, like maybe cutting his hair, change his name, maybe be the Dark Order's manager, which was a shot at... um, Possibly Adam Cole being Keith Lee's manager in WWE. I saw that coming. Um, he said if he had, maybe he wouldn't be getting concertoed from Christian. Silver says this Friday I'm going to kick some budge ass. And he's flexing with the crowd. So I literally said in my mind this felt completely rushed. To say the least. Because they were trying to fill, in, fill up some TV time. In the main event, Miro taking replacing John Moxley took on Orange Cassidy. They had a fun match, a really good main event. I'm not gonna lie on that, but we all knew Miro was advancing, which I thought was the right call. And speaking of Miro, Fightful Select had a really interesting story about Miro. Uh, they reported that um, Miro ended up being Moxley replacement. And he beat Cassidy on Wednesday's Dynamite to advance to the finals where he'll face Brian Danielson at full gear. I think that's going to be a fucking awesome match. They've had a match before, and I think they're going to tear it down again here in uh, AEW. Now, Fightful Select uh, reported that the final decision was made on Tuesday afternoon to have Miro replace Moxley, which I thought was the right choice. Now, originally, Miro wasn't planned to be at this week's Dynamite. So he had to make a trip on Wednesday afternoon and arrive shortly before Dynamite. Now, Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp was told that creative has changed often for Miro of late. Now, it is unclear what AEW has planned for Miro. So, I don't know what they might do for... uh, But like I said, if you have Miro win the tournament, I think that would be fucking perfect. But if... Lana comes to AEW, I think that would be even better. Like, I honestly want Miro to win that AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. I think that would be a better move, if you ask me. But overall, I thought um, Dynamite was pretty good. It was a really enjoyable show. Now, let's talk some New Japan. And New Japan is making a big play to sign somebody big. No pun intended. Now, Jonah Rock... You may know him as Bronson Reed on NXT. He's been busy talking to many promotions for his pro wrestling future. And it seems 
New Japan is very interested in this young talent. Now, Impact Wrestling has also expressed interest in him. But it seems like New Japan is a... um, Though New Japan bit is a little more relevant right now as we may have expected. Now, Fightful has reported on a new development and a possible play for the young talent made by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Fightful has learned that Bronson Reed, who is going by his previous moniker of Jonah Rock, has some major interest from multiple top wrestling companies. Sources within the company have indicated that within New Japan Pro Wrestling has made a big play to gain Jonah Rock's services. He was released by NXT earlier this year after being crowned the North American Champion, and New Japan announced recently that they also landed Buddy Murphy. Now, the acquisition or either or perhaps both of the pro wrestlers mentioned above would undoubtedly be a good thing for New Japan, in my honest opinion. I think that would be great. Like, Buddy Matthews, he's going to be doing the best work in his career in New Japan. And you got Jonah Rock doing the best work that he can in New Japan. I think he will kill it down there. Now... As things stand right now, a signing with either promotion suggests possible appearances for both promotions. Now, we, there were reports that he was going to be uh, in the Impact Zone, but that didn't happen. Now, the Forbidden Door, as far as AEW is concerned, is up in the air right now, but that exchange of talent between Impact and New Japan have remained strong, as it was seemed. Minoru Suzuki... Worked uh, recently a six-man tag match on Impact, which, speaking of, congratulations to Speedball Mike Bailey, who is signed with Impact, and I'm very proud of him. I think he's going to do some great work down there. And literally, I think Jonah Rock is going to do great on New Japan. Why not? Let's get that happen. Let's make that happen. I think that would be perfect. Absolutely perfect landing spot for John, for uh, the former Bronson Reed. Now, continuing with New Japan, Fightful Select also reported that Juice Robinson, his contract with New Japan is set to expire, and he will be a free agent in 2022. Now, he used to wrestle in NXT, but he signed a multi-year deal with New Japan in 2019. So that deal is ticking down, and we don't know if there's any negotiation at this point. Sean Ross Sapp hasn't heard that there's any negotiations on both sides, but um, I I know he's been working Impact, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Is he going to stay with New Japan, or is he going to transition to Impact, or I don't know. We'll see what his mindset is. And finally, let's talk about Dan Housen. And it's an injury story, and I'm very sad to hear this from him. He's one of the hottest free agents in the United States after the announcement that Ring of Honor was cutting their entire roster. Now, the very nice, very evil wrestler shared photos from the hospital with an x-ray after suffering an injury at an NGW event in Knoxville, Tennessee on Halloween night. Now, the teeth-collecting wrestler posted an update His tibia and fibula were found to be broken after his doctor reviewed uh, his scans. Now, he took to Twitter to share the news in another hospital photo and one of the signature poses. He lets fans know that 
They can support him, but appears to remain an excellent spirit, but never break in character. And he pretty much broke his leg in two places, which that sounds painful. Now, Dan Housen has become an indie wrestling darling due to his unique gimmick and powerful social media presence. He has 63,000 followers and counting on his Twitter and his YouTube channel boasts 38,000 subscribers. His merchandise flies off the shelves and fans recently led a movement to convince Tony Khan to sign him to AEW. Now, the injury couldn't have come at the worst time for this guy. With the free schedule and ton of booking demands, it was only a matter of time before he showed up on one of the nationally televised wrestling shows. And I want to wish um, Dan Howes in a speedy recovery. Hopefully he gets back on his feet. And um, all I can say is he's well-loved. He is absolutely well-loved. And from, and I also want to mention this for Mock's sakes. Like, I hope he gets the help he needs. Just wanted to end part one with that. So... I hope for uh, Dan Housen to recover on time and be quick about it because God knows uh, we want more Dan Housen wherever he goes. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now you may be asking yourself, hey uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like different genres. Like, for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly, very friendly people out there. So once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of wrestling Amino right here. And th like, this is where I got started before I got into podcasting. So if you would like to download this app, it is 100% free. I am telling you, it is worth it. Download the Amino app, and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. Some of the names that I've read were shocking. And 
what we're going to do, we're going to go through the list, and I'm going to share my thoughts on most of the names that got let go, and I'm going to transition that to a possible contract that's coming up pretty soon. I want to start big. Let's start with two former NXT champions. Let's start with Keith Lee. Now, I don't understand. I seriously don't understand. How in the bloody fuck do you fuck? How do you misuse somebody like Keith Lee? Like, I was so mad. I was on Twitter. Like, I went on Twitter, and I literally asked that question. Like, I tweeted, and I'm literally pulling up my tweet right now. How in the bloody fuck do you let go of Keith Lee? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Now, Keith Lee, this guy was putting on bangers and bangers on NXT. Had a great match with Adam Cole. Possibly some of the gift-worthy moments, like he pounced Adam Cole to the to the crowd. He did that rising uh, in anger. And this is the same Keith Lee who was part of Survivor Series and on the NXT side, and he stand in the ring against one of their top guys in Roman Reigns. And Roman showed the guy respect. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to get a big push deal. And he goes to the Royal Rumble, and he's in the ring with Brock Lesnar. And Brock was smiling because this was somebody new. He wanted to face someone like Keith Lee. And he managed to hang with Brock Lesnar. So when he lost the title to Karrion Cross, which we will get into in a second, he gets called up, okay? And I'm thinking, okay, this is good. You're calling him up. They change his theme, and then they make it look so fucking generic. Now, we haven't seen Keith Lee on television, and we saw, and we were, it was revealed that he's been working dark matches, and he also revealed that he had been battling COVID, and he had health-related issues. So, he gets, he comes back, and he gets repackaged as Keith Bearcat Lee. They give him this new fucking theme, which, and he squashes Cedric Alexander, and then we haven't seen him, and then November, he gets his walking papers. I just look at Keith, I look at this company, and I just, I just say, how in the bloody hell, like, out of all the people you screwed up with, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that you can't even book Keith Lee to be a star? Like, I, I, I don't get it. I seriously don't get it. Why waste my time? And I'm dead serious when I say this. Why waste my time if you're not going to put any effort into building somebody up to be a fucking star? He was staring with two of the top guys in your company and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And you mean to tell me you can't think of any... I'm not making any money with Keith Lee. The guy got over by being himself. The Bearcat shit was all Vince's idea. And it's like he just fucking gave up. He fucking gave up. And I just, I just, I'm getting fired up right now because I'm like, how do you let go of somebody like Keith Lee, of all people, who could be a top name in your company, and you just let him go like that? You just let this guy walk. That's 
something that really pissed me off. As a fan of pro wrestling, it makes me upset. These 18 people, like, I, go, my heart goes out to them because nobody likes to lose their fucking job. Nobody. And I stand by that. Nobody wants to lose their job. Nobody wants to, um, to get fired. Like, the fact that Keith Lee got repackaged and he was gone on a tear and then all of a sudden he gets let go, that's, that's something that bothers me. He even went in the ring against Randy Orton. He got put over by Randy Orton put this guy over. And it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. And that's, that's something that really bothers me as a fan. It really does. Like, wherever Keith Lee goes, whether it's AEW or MLW or on the Indies touring, like, can you, if Ring of Honor did not release half of their roster, can you imagine Pretty Boy Killers and reunited? You got Keith Lee coming back to help change it. That would be fucking awesome. Like, it could still happen. We just don't know when. Just don't know when. And that's just sad. How do you let go of Keith Lee? Another person they let go. Don't even get me started with Karrion Cross. Don't even get me started with Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross came into NXT looking like a fucking beast. Now, most people may not like Karrion Cross, but when he debuted, that was one of the best NXT debuts I've seen during that pandemic era. He looked like a fucking beast. And he won the NXT championship from Keith Lee. Now, the match, granted, it wasn't that good. It was okay, but it could have been better. But um, Karrion Cross is somebody that Triple H presented on a silver platter. Like, he made a star out of Karrion Cross, something that Impact couldn't do. And now, Vince McMahon couldn't do the same with Karrion Cross. Like, you had Scarlett and Karrion Cross, who were a perfect pack. Like, the perfect package. It's like having a great food on a silver platter with everything that you want on top of it, but you just turn it into shit when you call it up to the main roster. They shouldn't have been split up to begin with. Scarlett is also on that list of being let go. Why waste their time? You call up Karrion Cross, loses his debut main roster match against Jeff Hardy. Then you do the storyline with him and Jeff. You try pushing him. The crowd is fucking dead silent because you killed what made Karrion Cross so special on the main roster. You killed what made Cross special. And that's something that really rubs me the wrong way. I don't get it. I don't get it. Wherever he goes, I want him to be successful. Same with Scarlett. And speaking of couples, Mia Yim, she got let go. Wasn't even given a chance to showcase her personality on the main roster. Yes, she had COVID, but I could tell she was getting ready. Like, don't even, and I know people are going to mention she was part of Retribution. That gimmick sucked. That gimmick sucked. Mia Yim showed more personality in NXT than she did in her entire run 
on the main roster. Just inexcusable to let Mia Yim go and not even give her a fucking chance. Not even give her a chance. And that's the thing that really pisses me off. She never got a chance to showcase what she could bring to the main roster. And I got a whole fucking rant waiting to happen after I talk about all these releases. Now, continuing on, Ember Moon. I don't even know what to say at this point. I, I don't even know what to say. They don't even value Ember Moon because they just see her as whatever. The woman was a former NXT Women's Champion, and I still go back to the match that she had with Asuka at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, which is hands down one of my favorite fucking matches in all of NXT. Possibly my favorite women's matches in NXT. Ember Moon was bringing Asuka to the brink of defeat in that TakeOver Brooklyn 3. They had great chemistry. We called her up to the main roster after she lost the title to Shayna Baszler after TakeOver New Orleans. Didn't do much of nothing with her. Didn't even give her a chance. And she comes back to NXT. She's repackaged. And I'm thinking all of these dream matches we could have, her versus EO, her versus Tony Storm, her versus uh, Candice LeRae. Like all of that. She became a women's tag team champion with Shotzi Blackheart. And she was pretty much used to put over Raquel Gonzalez, and we didn't see much of her ever since. And now she's getting the walking papers. Ember Moon, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why do you have to cut Ember Moon? Like, she was teasing a new change to her character, and then you just let her go. Again, it's proven my point, again, that WWE does not value their talent. It doesn't. They really don't value it. Like, I want to save that rant for the end, but, like, it's literally coming out of me right now. Wherever Ember Moon goes, Athena will be reborn. Whether it's in Impact, they could use somebody like Athena. Whether it's in AEW, she could have great matches down there, down in AEW. Whether it's in NWA, I don't know. But Athena will rise. WWE made a big mistake letting this woman go. Tyre Valkyrie, the former Frankie Monet. Tyre Valkyrie only had six, six matches on NXT. Six. Fucking six matches. She was, like, her, I was thinking to myself, they should just call her up to be with John Morrison because that's another guy who is fucking directionless on the goddamn main roster because creative is so bankrupt. Yes, Vince McMahon says he's a creative genius. Give me a fucking break. I'm 28 years old, and I can book this shit better than you can in your entire year of running this show. You mean to tell me you can't find anything for Tyre Valkyrie on the main roster while you couldn't even call her up on the main roster? Like, what sense does that make? What sense does that make? I don't get it. She would have been perfect to pair with John Morrison to get his head out of his ass. They would have been a couple champion. It would have worked if you just give it a chance. And this is the thing that really pisses me off. They are not giving it a fucking chance. Let this woman walk. Just have six matches. Her last match was against Cora Jade in which she lost. 
WWE, I swear on everything, they just, they do these things to really, really piss me off. It's so simple that a fucking caveman can do it. So simple. You could have put Tyre Valkyrie and John Morrison together. That way John Morrison doesn't have to be sitting in the back, in a backstage in a segment meditating, trying to be Matt Seidel, trying to find his inner chi. The only inner chi he needs is to get the fuck out of this company. Ridiculous. You sign Tyre Valkyrie and you only have her do six matches and have her do nothing. Yes, she had an NXT Women's Championship match against Raquel in which she lost. Like, if that was the case, you should have just called up Tyre Valkyrie. That's not hard. Instead of giving her the pink slip. Like, Impact has done a better job in making Tyre Valkyrie a star than WWE has done. They should be embarrassed. They should absolutely be embarrassed by letting this woman go. Oni Lorcan, Oni Lorcan, I mean, I think this was a long time coming. I don't know. But um, Biff Music, he's back. I mean, he's a former tag team champion in NXT, but there was really nothing for him that they can do. I just don't know what's, like, I don't know what's next for him, but I think he's going to be on the independence. And then this is the one that confused me. B-Fab. Of Hit Row. They just called up Hit Row. Isaiah Swerve Scott, AJ Francis, Shanti Diodonis, and B-Fab. They called this stable up. And they already fucked it up by letting B-Fab go. What was, what, like, I, I really want to know what they were thinking letting this valet go. Now, granted, she only had two matches, which she was not ready. I will not lie, but she was so charismatic. And what is Hit Row without B-Fab? Like, I don't get it. Why would you let this woman go? You just called this stable up. You just called them up and you let one person go. I don't get it. I seriously don't get it. Makes no fucking sense. Makes no sense. WWE just always finds a way to surprise me with this shit. Now, speaking of Tyre Valkyrie, Jessica May, she was let go of the company. She was another name. She was paired with uh, Frankie Monet, and now she's gone. And I believe her and Swerve were a couple, are a couple. So um, I hope for the best for her, whether she goes on the independence, whether she does something else, I don't know. But that's just how I see it. Now, Graham and Oleek and Lince Dorado, they have been let go. Now, this one's not a surprise. We knew Grand Metal League was not happy working in WWE, so much so that he requested his release. And look, he got his release, and I, and he was happy that he was let go. Now, Lince Dorado, I could tell he, he got let go, and then you got his parents just mocking him. They're, they're not fans. They're just pieces of shit for doing that. Don't mock somebody for losing their fucking jobs. And it's shit like that that makes me lose respect for people like them. If you mock somebody for losing their job, you should be ashamed of yourself. Just because of a criticism that Lince Dorado made in 2013 about your daughter taking a bump when she was 13 in a wrestling ring, in a wrestling ring, taking a choke slam when she was 13. You want to mock him for that? 
that's, that's not right. You're just being spoiled and rotten. Inexcusable. But Grand Metal Leaf, like I say this, Brian Danielson has said that he wanted to work with Grand Metal Leaf because he's really good. And we could see that in AEW. Now, not everybody on that list should go to AEW. Now, like, out of, out of these names, like, only, like, four or five of them should be going there. But um, Grand Metal Leaf, we could see a match with him and Brian Danielson in AEW, and then it would be freaking awesome if you let them go. Let them go out. I don't know what the future holds for Lince Dorado. We're just going to have to wait and see what's next for uh, Lince. We had Jeet Rama, who was just on NXT in a losing effort against the in-ring debut of Solo Sokoa, who I thought looked impressive. I honestly thought he looked impressive in that match against uh, making his debut match. And he lost, and he got his termination paper. Goodbye, Jeep Rama. That's pretty much how they did it. You made your NXT debut. Now you got to get out. Goodbye. We have no use for you. Trey Baxter, the former Blake Christian. I don't get this. I don't get this at all. The guy is talented. He could fucking go. And I think the best match he had in his career was against Kushida. Against Kushida. Let that man go. And he's dating Cora Jade. They had a little angle that they were trying to do, and it just didn't go nowhere. Now, Blake Christian, he will be making his return to GCW next month. And I just say good. Good. At least he found somewhere he could work. Katrina Cortez, don't know much about her. I know she paired with uh, Sin Cara before he was let go. She pretty much wasn't doing much of anything. Her last match was, like, against Saray on 205 Live. And that was pretty much that. We haven't seen much from Katrina Cortez. And like I said, I hope she finds success somewhere else. Now, the one that kind of surprised me was Nia Jax. Now, I thought Nia Jax was bulletproof. Nia Jax was a former Raw Women's Champion and a two-time Women's Tag Team Champion with Shayna Baszler. I thought she was going to stay in this company. And it looks like there's a reason why she was let go. And according to um, reports that, that I heard, is that, um, uh, how would I put this? How would I put this? And this is something that's really um, just getting to me. The reason that, um, <clears throat> how, how would I say this? It's because Nia was unvaccinated. That's a report from the New York Post. They're reporting that Nia Jax was released because she was unvaccinated. And the post cited that a source in WWE with knowledge of the company has not commented on the story. So that's one of the reasons. And it's up to four. This is according to Andrew Zarian. Possibly four wrestlers were let go because they were unvaccinated. And that's just how I see it. Just like I, I mean, Nia. How would I put this? She has 
a bad rep when it comes to her work, her work in the ring. Like the only good match I could see in her main that I saw on her entire run was against uh, Ronda Rousey. I thought that was the best Nia Jax match she ever had. In my, if I'm being honest. And all I could say is, um, I don't know if she's going to get back to wrestling. Maybe she's just going to do modeling. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. We have Eva Marie. She made a return in June. That was six months ago. And now six months later, she gets let go. The moment that storyline with Dewdrop ended, she was pretty much dead weight. She was pretty much done. This one really does not surprise me. It really doesn't. In the last two, we had Harry Smith, the former Davy Boy Smith Jr. Never got the chance. He worked the dark match, but um, never got the chance to showcase it on the main roster. And I could see him going to AEW, teaming with Lance Archer. I think that would be um, interesting. And then finally, Zeta Ramirez, the former AQA, has been let go by uh, WWE. Really didn't have much of a chance to showcase what she could bring. And that's something that really gets, that really gets um, to me because she never had the chance. Like, she only had like a couple matches and we haven't heard from her ever since. Now, PW Insider, before those releases came in, reported that Stansky left WWE. And while many fans may know now know who he is, his departure has left many in the company shocked because he was there for almost 15 years in a key role of the senior vice president at Creative Service. Stansky's exit was described by someone as in WWE as so shocking and as the ultimate proof that no one is safe. And that is another reminder that this isn't the same company that it was years ago. So he's gone. And you want to talk about contracts coming up. Look at Gargano and uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Now they're going to be working dark matches on SmackDown. Kyle O'Reilly his contract is coming up soon. PW Insider is reporting that O'Reilly's contract ends next month, at the end of next month. So he could sign with another promotion as soon as January the 1st. So if, like in Gargano, his deal doesn't come up till the end of, like he doesn't, it doesn't come up till next month. If you lose two of these people, NXT is dead. It's dead, to say the least. And I was just on one of the websites, and I've seen this story that WWE plans to release NXT talent every six months if they do not improve. And this is according to Brian Alvarez. And he says, I don't know exactly what this entailed, but in general, the new idea is that they're going to be heavily evaluating everybody every six months from this point forward. I think the idea is that we no longer want to spend seven years in developmental, so it's going to be like every six months they're going to be evaluating. They're going to evaluate you, and if you're not getting better, you're out of there. He's like, everything has changed with this new NXT. They know what they want. It's a certain type of person who works a certain way and talks a certain way or is trained from scratch. 
and they get better quick and they move up or they're out of here. And he also confirmed that um, some of the people were let go due to their vaccination status. And it was, and they used that typical excuse. Well, uh, we were, they let them go because, um, because of budget cuts. Budget cuts is the reason. Give me a fucking break with this excuse of budget cuts. Unacceptable. Literally unacceptable. And you know what? This company, I say this every time, they are a sinking ship. Staying, trying to stay afloat, but they constantly continue to sink. Like, on NXT, like, I'm going to be honest, I was not enjoying NXT. If you did, more power to you. But for me, I did not enjoy that episode of NXT because it felt all main rostery. Like, I, I just could not find myself to care. Like, I really couldn't. It's like they want to fit their image, and they think it's good. And I think that with the release of Keith Lee and Karrion Cross, all of that was Triple H's pet projects going down the fucking drain. All of that going down the fucking drain to prove a fucking point. That's pretty much what they did. They wanted to prove a point to Triple H. You don't own these people. We do. Who's to say we don't know what's next for anybody else that's been that's uh, on that NXT roster? I don't I don't get it. Why would you want to work for a company that's just going to treat you like a fucking number? Like you know what this proves? WWE does not care about the talent. WWE does not care about the fans. They don't care at all. They only care about money. And I don't want to hear from fucking Nick Khan. I don't want to hear from fucking Bruce Pritchard. I don't want to hear from John Laurinaitis or Kevin Dunn or Vince McMahon or any of the PR bullshit that they care for their talent and their fans. Because this is literally a giant middle finger. This, WWE has released more people this year than they've done in 2020. They've released 70 plus people this year. Like, let alone combined. And they think this is good business. They think this is going to improve the morale. That just makes it even worse. It makes it even worse. You're wasting my time. You're wasting the talent's time. You're wasting their money. You're wasting my money if I go to their shows. And you don't put any effort into these people that you let go because you don't think they can improve. Because you want to fit your image. Fuck Vince McMahon and fuck Bruce Prichard, and most importantly, fuck Nick Khan. Because they're the reason why people are losing interest in this product. So go ahead. Keep releasing more people that you don't think is worthy enough to be in this company. Keep releasing more people. Watch what's going to happen. Watch what's going to happen. You're going to see a domino effect. You're going to see a domino effect that is going to live for infamy. WWE can talk all they want about their revenues. They can talk all they want about all the money they make. But the fact that you can't make money with Keith Lee, the fact that you can't make money with Karrion Cross, the fact that you can't make money with Mia Yim, the fact that you're not even giving half of these talents who never got a chance to showcase what they can do in NXT, you just let them walk for 30 days? You're going to hold them for 30 days? You're going to hold most of the people for 90 days? Because you don't want them to go somewhere else? That's your fault. That's your fault for signing too many people and just not focusing on the people that you got. 
it's your fault. You want to try, and I feel like this is all despite Triple H. All these people, like a cross, a Keith Lee, a Mia Yim, like all the people that he's put in a lot of effort and working, all of that, going down the drain. It's like a giant middle finger. And it's like, you got to imagine how Triple H is feeling. If I'm Triple H, I'm fucking pissed. I would rather take my shit and leave and start my own wrestling company. That way, you don't have to deal with bullshit like that. You don't have to deal with bullshit like that. We haven't heard Triple H or, or Vince McMahon even mention a single thing about each other. You could tell that that relationship is strained. Triple H started out as a fan, and he is still a fan. And you're going to let some of these people go? Imagine how Triple H feels. All that hard work that he put into making them a star, and it goes down the drain because Vince doesn't get them. Bruce doesn't get them. That's because those two motherfuckers are out of touch as shit. They shouldn't be running a wrestling company, let alone own it. Let alone Vince owning it, let alone Bruce being full leader or creator. You, they are a sinking ship. And that's the thing that really bothers me. The fact that you let them go and now you're just pretty much handing them more opportunity, handing the competition, whether it's AEW, whether it's Impact or MLW, New Japan, um, NWA or any other wrestling promotion. GCW's been getting bucks. GCW's getting more bucks. And they're literally close to becoming the top wrestling promotion on the independents. And you mean to tell me you'd rather give half your roster away instead of giving them a chance and trying? And here's the thing with WWE. Here's the thing with WWE. They can talk all they want about they're trying to cater to a younger audience. They're not catering to a younger audience. They're catering to an audience of one. And it's evident even on NXT. They can talk about pushing all these young talent. They're not even trying. It's like they're trying so damn hard to get that young demographic up, but they constantly keep going down. They're constantly failing at that. Because it's like it's so forced. It's so forced. WWE wants to talk about caring for their audience. No, they don't. They want to try to be like Marvel. You're never going to be like Marvel. They want to talk about how we care. Then prove to me that you fucking care. You got some of the best talented people on the roster that give a shit, and they want to go out there, and they want to show the world why the fuck they, they belong here. Why they signed that damn contract. It's literally right then and there. If you're a wrestler that is the top on the independent scene, you are knowing right now that WWE is not the place to be. WWE is not going to be the place to be anymore. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's not. It's just not the place to be. And I stand by that. WWE had all the had a gold mine in Keith Lee, had a gold mine in Karrion Cross. Never gave me a yim a chance. Never gave um like you could have kept Scarlet with uh Karrion Cross. All of that could have been prevented. Could have given me a yim, like I said, opportunity. Ember Moon was forgotten. Yet these people get let go, but like there's some people that I don't like. Like Jackson Riker, I don't like the guy at all. I don't. Like what makes him special, but those 18 people have to get let go. I don't get it. 
WWE is telling you that this is not the place to be anymore. It's not. People can have dreams of working in WWE. They can talk about, I accomplished my dream. Yeah, you accomplished it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for accomplishing your dreams. But at the end of the day, how does it make you feel in the end that you never got the chance to showcase what you could really bring in front of a larger audience? That's my point. Better yet, why sign these people if you're not going to put any effort into it? Like, and I'll, I agree with Jordan Grace on one thing because she was as just as I am. Because Jordan Grace spoke the truth. Jordan Grace knows what's up. And this is something that needs to be spoken about. Like, seriously. Here, here's the thing. It's very simple. And she tweeted this. Watch and spend your money on something else. It's fucking ridiculous at this point. Exactly. And she continued on by saying, it's one thing to not renew someone's contract. It's another thing to have someone uproot their entire lives, move to an unfamiliar area, and release them from their contract that mere, mere months into it. That's what's fucked up. Exactly. No lies detected. Something has to change in WWE. Management needs to fucking change. Like, they need to fucking change because right now, it is fucking ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Again, why would I want to work with a company that's going to treat the talent like shit? Why would I want to work for a company that's not going to put their talent first and the fans first? It's always got to be business, money, business, money. They're creative as garbage. new talent, yet they want to call more people up in NXT and only to give up on them because they don't know what the fuck to do with them. That's going to be the next case for anybody who gets called up. Why bother? Why bother signing these people if you're not going to put any effort into it? Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Just complete, utter bullshit. I hope my heart goes out to those 18 people that got let go. They don't, they don't deserve that. You have all this money, and you mean to tell me you can't do nothing with these 18 people? Now, some of them, could, I could understand. But some, you should have been pushing them to the moon. I don't get it. I seriously don't get it. WWE should be ashamed of themselves. They should be fucking embarrassed. They should be embarrassed. I honestly have no words for this company. I got no words. Just, good job, WWE. Good job. You constantly make a fool of out of yourselves. And if you continue to wonder why your fans keep leaving your product, maybe you should look at yourself in the fucking mirror, then you'll know what that problem is. It's not the talent's fault to blame. It's not the fans' fault to blame. It's your fault. It's not Triple H's fault either. He was trying his best to keep most of these people, and you decide to treat them like shit. And some of them who are still employed with this company, you're still treating them like garbage. Why would I want to work for a company that just sees me as a fucking number and not for what I bring to the fucking table? That's the thing that pisses me off. Why bother signing with a company that doesn't care about you? You're just a number. It's like, it's like they gather all the people in the guillotine just waiting. 
is, and, they, and the head gets decapitated. The head gets chopped off. Just, I don't get it. How do you fuck this up? Seriously, how in the love of Christ do you fuck this up? I don't get it. I don't get it. These people should not be let go. If you've not saved the money on who you got right now, stop signing people and stop trying to hoard them so they don't succeed somewhere else. That's your fault. All of these talented people should not have been let go. Unacceptable. Now they have to find a way to make money, most of them, for 90 days. Whether it's Twitch, whether it's Cameo. I'm literally close to my breaking point with WWE. I really am. They have so many talent that I can support, but they do a piss poor job at building them as a star. And that's something that really aggravates me. It's something that really pisses me off. If WWE can't do that, why bother having a company to begin with? Because it looks like it's run by people who don't care. Why work for a company where people don't fucking care? That's something I don't get. I would not even waste a lick of my time with somebody who does not care. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And it's shit like that that really makes me upset. Makes me upset. Budget, budget cuts my ass. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They want to use that as an excuse. Like they try to use that excuse for Bray Wyatt. That was not an excuse. That was not an excuse. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Vince McMahon, according to him, and this is what Fightful reported, they said that Vince McMahon no longer liked Wyatt, and the belief is that he was too outspoken about creative. Well, I'm sorry, Vince. Maybe if you would listen to your fucking talent, you wouldn't be having this issue of talent speaking up about the fucking creative. You wouldn't be having this issue to begin with. All of this could have been avoided. Listen to your fucking talent. Then maybe they wouldn't be upset with you. Maybe they wouldn't be frustrated working in a company. Maybe they would. everybody wouldn't be in self-preservation mode. Bray Wyatt wasn't released due to budget cuts. He was released because he was outspoken. Now, several months back, Meltzer reported that there was a late change in the Wyatt versus Orton match at WrestleMania, and Wyatt was supposed to go over, which he should have. And Orton was going to lose and take some time off, and it turned out to be the complete opposite. Fightful stated that there was no creative end game for the storyline at that point, and many of you will remember that one point of the storyline, Wyatt was burned alive by Randy Orton. It was also stated that Fightful, by Fightful, that people in WWE do not believe that Wyatt's release was for budgetary reasons. They used that fucking excuse. Uh, budgets for what? Budgets for what? Give me an example. Anyway, got me fired up right here. Now, it had a negative effect on the morale among talent, and it's going to have an effect with those 18 people being let go. Have they not thought about that? Just, I don't get it. Vince and Bruce are clueless fucks who don't know what the fuck they're doing. And I dare one of them to say that we care. No, you don't. You don't care. You never care. I could, like, if you give me the power to run WWE, I would make a lot of changes. I swear on everything that would benefit the talent and the fans. And it could make you more money as well. Now, Andrew Zarian reported that 
improve WWE wrong, prove Vince McMahon wrong, and then he's going to come crawling back on his hands and knees begging for you to come back. I, I got nothing. I've ranted about this for 45 minutes. That's how pissed off I am. I'm so heated right now that I could have flames come out of my hair. That's how mad I am. The fact that you let 18 people go because you claim budget cuts, there's more to that. I don't want to buy into your bullshit. You just find no use for them. And if anybody is working in WWE, they don't see you for what you bring to the table. They see you as a fucking number. And once they have no use for you, once they have no use for you, they cut you, let you go. Because we don't care about you. It's an insult to them. It's like it's an insult to the talents. It's an insult to the fans. It's all, it's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Why work for a company that's going to treat you like garbage? If anybody is upset, get the fuck out of that company. And I'm dead serious. Get the fuck out and don't come back. Prove them wrong. That's my message. If you, if anybody's in WWE and they're not happy about what they've been doing or how they've been booked, get the fuck out of that company. And go out there and prove the world that you are the best. You don't need WWE to prove that you're the fucking best. There are other companies out there that could treat you like the best. Go out there and show them. That's all I got to say on this whole situation. Got me fired up here. I hope I'm not the only person that felt just anger and disappointment out of these cuts. And thank God I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one. Now, here's something interesting. There's hope within WWE that Brian Danielson will return to the company. This is according to Fightful Select. Now, Brian Danielson's contract status was known among those calling the shots backstage. The possibility of Brian winning the 2021 Royal Rumble match was also never really discussed, and they also had a very good idea that he wouldn't be around for WrestleMania. Now, it was also remarked that everyone spoke highly about the way Brian Danielson exited, exited the company. Now, Fightful sources said, WWE sources tells us that they were well aware that his deal was coming up soon when that, when that was booked and spoke highly of Brian Danielson's professionalism and working with Roman Reigns and making their way, making their match as good as possible on the way out. One source said that Brian handled things so well that a lot of people didn't think he was actually leaving or taking any time off. We couldn't have asked for more. Let's see. There is hope within WWE that Brian Danielson will return someday. He left on very good terms from Vince McMahon's company, and for now, he will continue as a professional wrestler working for Tony Khan. Now, yeah, Brian, he's one of those people that, like, he could come back anytime because everything he's done in WWE was good. It was good. And he could make the best out of a bad situation. But do I see him returning at this point? No. I don't see him. After what happened on Thursday night, why would you want to return? Like, just no. No. I, I wouldn't do that. If I'm Brian, I'm staying my ass away from WWE right now until they get their shit straight. And I'm staying with AEW. That's pretty much that. So they could hope all they want. It's not going to happen. It's not. 
Now, speaking of another WWE alum, CM Punk. He actually explains WWE's booking formula, and he was the guest on the New York radio uh, ho- show with um, with jo- Josh Martinez. Yeah, a- another Josh. Representing Josh, baby. That's my real name, by the way. Joshua is my real name. Anyway, so CM Punk shocked the wrestling world where he made his comeback after seven years. The Chicago native made his AEW debut at the promotion's first dance pay-per-view on August 20th, 2021. Now that Punk is all elite, a WWE return is completely out of the picture. Or is it? Well, according to Punk, WWE have a specific way of playing out high-profile returns, and he sees them doing the same if he were a if he were to ever return to the company. Uh, he tells Josh Martinez, the radio host for New York City, he says, I literally want to wrestle everybody, but I'm telling a specific story here of coming back, kind of restarting, rekindling my love for pro wrestling. If I went back to WWE, what would I do? There's a formula. There's a track record and a formula. This is what they do. Batista comes back. He wins the Royal Rumble. He main events WrestleMania. Edge comes back. He's in the Royal Rumble. I think he was in it twice, which he was. He might have won, which he did this year. I don't know. <clears throat> he goes on the on the main event uh, to main event WrestleMania. There's a formula, and I was bored of that shit ten years ago, so I'm bored of it now. I understand people saying that they don't like certain things and all that. Then it's not for you. I get it. Like I said. I'm there for the fans in the building. I'm telling the stories that I want to tell, and I'm having fun doing it. You'll know when it's not fun for me because I won't do it. So that's that. And he's not he's not lying. That's WWE's booking in a nutshell. That's what we should call this. WWE's booking in a nutshell. Somebody returns, like, say Cody Rhodes returns to WWE, wins the Royal Rumble, mains event WrestleMania. That That's pretty much their booking philosophy. Like, if they're not going to push new stars to win, why bother? Like I said, and that rant that I talked about, but not going to go over all that detail here. But CM Punk is 100% correct. That's WWE's booking. And until they change that, it's not going to get any better. Anyway, also, let's talk about Bailey, who has been who is out with an injury. She's going to be out for the rim, for, for the remainder of uh, this year. She'll be back in about next year. So <clears throat> she was on social media, and she has high praise for Serena D. Um, so this is what she says. She says, such an important step in my career. What an honor it's been to be a part of you. Thank you, Shimmer Women's Wrestling, and thank you, Serena D. Now, you may not notice, Becky Lynch, Paige, Dakota Kai, The Bunny, Paige, well, they put Paige again, um, Diana Perrazzo, and a seemingly endless list of others have passed through the hollow doors of the promotion. Deeb served as Bailey's mentor when they worked together there, and Deeb is currently wrestling in AEW. The company opened the doors in 2005 for Dave Krasick and Allison Danger um, partnered on what was seen at the time a risky endeavor. Instead, the Chicago promotion changed the way Americans viewed women's wrestling. 
And Serena Deeb has been featured heavily, which I want to see more of Serena Deeb. She is incredible on AEW television with her feud against Hikaru Shida. And she also spent time in WWE, most notably as a Straight Edge Society member. And she held the NWA women's title when she won it against Thunder Rosa. And even Bailey knows the greatness that is Serena Deeb, and she continues to kick ass, even in another promotion. That's what I love about Serena Deeb. She is incredible. And like I said, I want to see more of her, and I, I want her to win more titles. I think she will be really great at what, like, she's great at what she does. And she's, like, like I said, she's really good. So that's all I got to say about that. <clears throat> good on Bailey for putting over Serena Deeb. Now, who is the next guest? Now, this is just a little bit of news. Who is the next guest of uh, the Broken Skull Sessions for Steve Austin's uh, podcast? Well, it's been confirmed that Jeff Hardy will be the latest guest on the show. After recently filming the episode of the series, it will premiere on November 25th on Thursday. The former WWE champion will discuss his run in WWE, getting into the business much more. So far, you had Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, Kevin Nash, Chris Jericho, which was the biggest surprise. Randy Orton. Well, why do they keep putting in Randy Orton again? Sasha Banks, Drew McIntyre, Bill Goldberg, Ric Flair, Big Show, Undertaker, Kane, Jerry the King Lawler, Mark Henry, Bret Hart, and Mick Foley have been on some of the names to appear on the show. So, I'm actually curious to hear his stories on uh, the Broken Skull Session. I think that would be really good. The Seth Rollins one was my favorite one, where he talked about wanting to strangle Vince McMahon after that Hell in a Cell match. I would have done the same thing. I don't care if I get fired. I would have been proud doing it because I had the boss to stand up to the higher up. And that's just how I see it. Now, anyway, moving on to that, let's talk NXT. Now, they're planning their first pay-per-view event in the 2.0 era. This is according to Brandon Thurston of the WrestleNomics. And he's reporting that WWE's planning to hold their first um, uh, NXT pay-per-view on Sunday, December 5th. However, it was... He doesn't know if it's going to have takeover, if it will have the takeover name. So there was, last time it was reported that they were not going to do any takeovers for the remainder of this year, but it looks like they might have changed their minds. But I hope they keep takeover because God knows that's what makes NXT special. And now after after this week's NXT, I, I don't know, maybe that specialness is kind of wearing thin on them. So that's pretty much that. Monday now before we talk about Monday Night Raw, WWE adds a big match for the Long Island show on Monday Night Raw, and that is you have Drew McIntyre teaming up with the New Day, taking on Roman Reigns and the Usos. Now, more than likely this will be a dark match, because I don't see that airing on Monday Night Raw. They're probably gonna use that to sell tickets because the tickets have been very low in Long Island while AEW is close to selling out. So WWE, they're doing everything in their everything that they can to try to get people invested in that Long Island show, which I think the crowd knows that you're just wasting your time. That's just how I see it. 
Now, speaking of which, Monday Night Raw took place in Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And honestly, if you want me to, I'm not going to lie when I tell you this, I thought Raw was a decent show. I thought it was a decent show. We had some good in-ring action. Um, we kicked things off with a match for this Raw Women's Championship between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. I thought they had an excellent match, except I didn't like I thought they had a great match. Let me rephrase that. They had a great match, but I didn't like the finish. The finish kind of put a monkey wrench on it on me for a brief moment because the ref clearly saw Bianca hit the t- exposed turnbuckle. Why wasn't there no DQ? So Becky rolled her up. She got the win. And I said, look, they had a great match. And I look at Bianca Belair. She had five chances at a title. And she lost all five of them. Now, what are you going to do with Bianca Belair? I honestly don't know what's left for Bianca Belair at this point. I just hope that she can get her, they can get her out of their ass and uh, build her back up to the top. Because that's just something that really stuck out with me after that match. That was my takeaway. What's next for Bianca Belair? Now, Later during the show, you have Becky Lynch being interviewed by Sarah Shriver, and she's dismissing uh, the fact that she used Trixie tactics to uh, beat Bianca, and she talks about how she received some boos tonight, and she talked about the fans being fickle, just like how Daniel Bryan uh, used that storyline. Fans are fickle when he was killing it in his role as the Planet's Champion. Um, you had, um, she talks about others not knowing what success is like, and she says that the fans boo her because they're fickle, like I mentioned, and they can't take her being at the top. Now, she also says there's nothing wrong with doing what it takes to stay champion, and she goes on about how she proved Belair is not on her level, and it's time to get in the back of the line, so someone new can step up, and out comes Liv Morgan. And the crowd is popping for Liv Morgan. I'm like, okay, Liv Morgan is good, but how am I supposed to take Liv Morgan seriously if she's been losing matches against Carmella? Like, she can't just jump straight to the top. She needs to win matches. That's how you get earned an opportunity for the title. That's just how I would view it. The more you win matches, the more titles you will earn. That's just how I see things. But, um, like, like I said, I thought the opening was really good. Despite the ending, I thought it was good. We had, um, <clears throat> we have Kevin Patrick, who is backstage with Ray and Dominic Mysterio. And Ray says, well, he's putting over Austin Theory, saying that he's talented, but he mentions that he's arrogant and disrespectful. And he's talking about how he loves his son, how his son stood up to Theory last night. No, not last night, last week. And he, he out came Austin Theory, okay? And he says, look, it's an honor to step in the ring with you, Ray, tonight. And Theory says, Ray is a hero to me, but it's a shame they never got to take a selfie before, selfie photo before. But he will take it tonight when he beats Ray, like he did with his son last week. And Dominic's trying to step up and says, you better show respect to my father. And he's like, and Ray has a few more threatening words for Theory before his music hits. And 
he makes his entrance, and then we get this match which it was it was okay. I mean, it was all right. Now the ending, Austin Theory won via disqualification. Austin Theory continues to get wins, which is good. He needs to it needs to stay that way. Now the reason why he got why Ray got DQ'd was because Dominic attacked um Dominic attacked Austin Theory right in front of the ref right after um right when Ray hit the six one nine and the ref saw it, he called for the bell, and I'm like, okay, now you see what Dominic did? Because the first time he tried to uh he interfered, but the ref saw it, but he didn't do nothing. And the second time, I'm like, okay, now you did something. So Austin Theory continues his winning ways. And it was a fine match. It was fine for what it was. We had Seth Rollins in the ring. He's bragging about winning the ladder match last week. And this being his show now. And you know Rollins can be so obnoxious. And he says he was drafted to Raw to be the face of it. And the only thing that's missing now is the title around my waist. And he says, fortunately for all of us, the contract in my hands guaranteed that we are looking at the next champion. He go, he wants to go over the fine print of the contract, and then out comes the WWE champion, Big E. Now he knocks Rollins for not shaking his hand like a real man after last week's main event. He says it didn't bother him a little bit. But he talked to his aunt, and she told him not to worry about it because there's something deeply wrong with Rollins' mind. And Rollins remembers things differently. He remembers coming to the ring, challenging Big E, who told him he had to earn it, that's Rollins' response, and prove it, prove himself. So they go back and forth, and Rollins is taking shots at King, King Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. And Biggie was not having that, and that's when he got serious. And I love it when Biggie gets serious. So he proposes a match between the two of them tonight, and the crowd's like, is excited for it. They want the match now. And Rollins tells Biggie to slow it down, back it off, think about it for a minute. And he says, people do not want to see that. And he claims that he's not 100%. So let's scrap that, and here's. Let's do it when I'm 100%. And out comes Kevin Owens. And Owens, like, Rollins is ranting, and Owens like, you have no business being out here. Owens doesn't care how Rollins feels. Owens heard them arguing over who is the face of Raw. He says, Biggie had a strong claim, and he's a great champion at that. But Rollins is a delusional dumbass. And the proof is the suit he's wearing. Owens has also heard Bianca Belair and the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch say they're the face of Raw, and they also have valid points. But Owens feels like we're overlooking this face right here, which he's telling the truth. You're overlooking this awesome guy right here. This handsome face of integrity and charm should be considered. And he gets fired up, and he says that he has, um, he, um, he gave it, he gives it his all in the ring, and he says he can't remember the last time it worked out for him, and it might be three more months or three more years. Now, remember that line, three more months or three more years, but he will continue to give it his all while he's in WWE, and he proposes a match with Biggie for tonight, 
in which Rollins doesn't like the idea, but Biggie says there will be just one face of Raw, but Owens makes a point. They haven't faced each other, and and they he agrees, so that's going to be your main event for Monday Night Raw. And look, I thought it was it was okay. Um, I did like the line where Kevin Owens mentioned in three more months or three more years. He may be teasing he might be on his way out of the company, or he might be staying with them for three more years. Who knows? We don't know, but Kevin Owens. We had Zelina Vega and Carmella versus Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash. Did not care about this match. I just look at the women's tag titles, and I just ask myself, why bother having them? Why bother having the women's tag titles if you're not going to put any effort into making said titles feel important? That's just how I see it. It's just a waste of time. And, of course, Nikki Ash got pinned. And I just say, I look at Rhea Ripley, I'm like, poor Rhea. She could have been at the top of the game. Now she's just mingling into mediocrity. And so the challengers pin the champion, and you know what that means. They get a championship opportunity. I thought the best match on this entire show was Finn Balor versus Chad Gable. Seriously, you got to watch that match. That was fucking great. And the ending was amazing, too. He countered out of a superplex. Finn Balor countered. Like, he took the superplex, turned it into a roll-up, which I thought was great. Like, this is the Chad Gable we should be seeing. This is why friends of Chad Gable have been asking him he needs to get out of WWE. And congrats to uh, Chad Gable for graduating. He has a master's degree at a full sale, if I'm correct. Congrats to him. But this was a really great match. I would watch it. Watch that match. I thought the Dirty Dogs and the Street Profits had a, had a solid match until Omos came in. Now, you may be wondering, where's AJ Styles? Now, the reason AJ Styles has been, has been missing is because he's dealing with an injury. So I wish him the best as well. So... Hopefully he could pull through from uh, this injury. But the Dirty Dogs got the win over the Street Profits. They continue winning. And I'm surprised that they're still getting pushed. Like, I'm really surprised. So after the, <coughs> after the match, Omos is smiling from ringside. You have Dawkins attack, but Omos just takes him out. Ford then flies, but Omos catches him. Launches him um, in the barrier. He barks at ringside, but Riddle comes over, and he tries attacking him, but he manhandles him. And Orton tries, but he's yelling. Both Orton and Omas are yelling at each other from different sides of the view. And then all of a sudden, it just cuts to um, a recap of what happened last week between Damian Priest and, um, and uh, T-Bar to set up their no disqualification match. Which I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Damian Priest got the win. And he's celebrating when Apollo Crews comes out with Commander Aziz. And he introduces himself. And he says, we've come to breathe new life into Raw. But Priest does not need to worry about worry because they will become acquainted soon enough. And Priest will have the privilege and honor to meet Crews in battle. And you will lose your title to me. So that's pretty much that. Setting up Apollo Crews, Damian Priest feud, I guess. In the main event,
event, you had Biggie and Kevin Owens. They had a great match. And you had Kevin Owens trying to steal the opportunity with a roll-up, but Biggie counters it with the uh, roll-up, and he wins. So Owens, he grabs the mic, and he's, he's like, he knows how that looked, but it had nothing to do with it. He's, Biggie's like, I saw what happened. Apparently, he wasn't believing in Kevin Owens, and Owens is like apologizing, saying this is Rollins' fault. It's that stupid son of a bitch's fault. And he flees on stage, and he challenges uh, Seth Rollins to a match next week. And he calls him a bitch. And Owens is apologizing. He's apologizing, but Biggie doesn't trust no one, and he hits the big ending on Kevin Owens to close out the show. So that's pretty much what happened. But overall, I thought Raw was pretty decent. It was a pretty decent show that I enjoyed. NXT, I don't know what it is with NXT. My love for NXT is just slowly, slowly dying. Like, there are some bright spots. EO, EO is still there. Tony, hey, Tony. Braun Breaker, even though he's Breck Steiner. Just, that's just how I see it. But, I just, this show really didn't do much for me. Like I said, some quick thoughts. Mandy Rose kicked off NXT, and she's like, it feels good to be, uh, and she told us she was on a different level, and she knows that she deserves it because the crowd was chanting, you deserve it, and she goes back to being healed, saying, I don't need your approval. She mentioned that week after week that she would become champion, and because she's a woman of her word, she did that. She defeated the unbeatable, the unstoppable Raquel Gonzalez and became the new champ, and she declares herself the baddest bitch in this goddamn company. Now, she's talking about the how good the title looks on her better than anyone else, and she says, and you all know, she's like, um, she mentions Toxic Attraction had all the attraction because they had the hell of a Halloween Havoc, and we see Gigi Dolan and JC James attacking Zoe Starks. Now, Zoe Starks is currently out with an injury, and she will be undergoing surgery, so that's the reason they did this angle to write her off. So I wish Zoe Starks uh, the best in her surgery, and I wish the best for her recovery. So that's pretty much that, which means we get Io Shirai stepping up, and she's like, I saw what Toxic Attraction did. I don't like Zoe, but I dislike Toxic Attraction even more. She wants the leader right here, right now. And she's ready to fight, and Rose tells her, hold on, because this is my world, and no one is scared of Io Shirai any longer. So they brawl, and Mandy Rose has some cheap shots and beats Io around, and she's like, this isn't the old NXT, this is NXT 2.0, which minutes later, Io just loads on Mandy Rose, hits the double knees, goes for the moonsault, but here comes Gigi Dolan and JC James to save her leader, and then out comes Casey and Caden, who we haven't seen in a while, and it, and I said, this is probably going to lead to a six-woman tag, either this tonight or next week. Lo and behold, this was confirmed for next week. So it looks like EO's in the top of the food chain, which is great. EO is fantastic. She's always the best thing about NXT. I thought this opener was really good. When we got from commercial break, we saw Toxic Attraction walking backstage, and they stopped at Dakota Kai, and she pretty much said, 
I didn't, what I did back there, I didn't interfere to help you, Mandy. I did it to end Raquel Gonzalez, and she walks off against her match against Cora Jade, which she easily defeated, ending another person who had an undefeated streak. So post-match, Ty is just attacking uh, Cora Jade, sends her outside of the ring, and she's just punishing her, and she lays a folded table on Jade, and she looks to jump down, but she has second thoughts. And that was pretty much that, which was a little bit confusing. So they're building up Dakota Kai and Raquel again, but I think she's going to get Dakota Kai, no, Dakota Kai is going to get Raquel out of NXT into the main roster. That's just how I see it. We see a vignette of MSK in Orlando, frustrated about losing their tag titles, and they almost forgot what it was like to hunt, and maybe that's what they needed. So they did this little thing about what MSK was, and a bus stops in front of them, and we can't hear about it, which I thought was pretty funny. We will never know what MSK stands for, which I like. I thought that was pretty good. Then we get what I thought was the worst thing on this show. You had Zion Quinn and Robert Stone doing a karaoke dance thing that led to a match that didn't take long. Just, it, it was terrible. It was terrible. Zion Quinn got the win. But at the end of the day, I, I just, I could not find myself to care. That's just how I am. That segment sucked. And it really took the life out of me for NXT for the rest of the show. We had Legato Del Fantasma. They got the win over Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Like I said, I hope Kyle O'Reilly is counting down the days because it, I hope he doesn't resign. Go be with Bobby Fish and reform Red Dragon. Or better yet, Adam Cole leaves Super Click and he has Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. That would be great. And it would certainly be undisputed. We had Bron Breaker squashing Andre Chase. And, like, it was a typical squash. Braun, he takes the mic and he says, Last week at Halloween Havoc, I had the biggest match of my life, but I failed. He's like, Chopper kept setting traps, and Braun fell for all of them. And he says, um, he took advantage of his inexperience, and it's only fair. He says, Chopper is the man of NXT, but there's nothing that pisses me off more than losing. And if Chopper thinks they're done, you're dead wrong. And he declares that he will get another shot at the NXT title and he will beat Tommaso Ciampa for it or he will die trying. So, like, Braun is still over. I'm still calling him Rex Steiner. That's pretty much who he is. He's, he's a fucking Steiner. Like, that's how I see it. We had a lash, lashing out uh, with Lash Legends segment and she's talking about the Halloween Havoc recap, talking about the costumes, and she welcomes Tony D'Angelo. And Lash brings up how her producer, Mark, disappeared after Tony telling Tony he couldn't be on the show for the first time. And Tony knows nothing. He's playing coy. And he brings out the producer. And Tony somehow knows the name of Mark's family members, where he lives, and he tells Lash everything is all right. And nothing happened. So... He talks about his goals and says his aim is to hurt people and make as much money as possible. And he mentions who he wants to beat. And he mentions Tommaso Ciampa Pete, and Pete Dunne. 
and she pretty much wraps the show up, and he just gives her the money, so I'm like, okay. Like, I love Tony D'Angelo. I think he's the best character right now, because he plays the part, he acts the part, and he's really good in the ring. Like I mentioned with Solo Sokoa, he had a really great impression on me. The third Uso got a nice showing against Jeet Rama, who is no longer with them. Boa, he got the win over Grayson Waller. It was a F match, but you got Grayson Waller and L.A. Knight still feuding. And we go backstage from commercial break. We see a throng of Mei Ying, but she's nowhere to be seen. And then all of a sudden, Boa comes back with that black and white face paint on, and he spits the smoke to end the segment. So it looks like Karen Q might be getting a character change or something. Tommaso Ciampa comes out. He declares that Halloween Havoc was changing of the guard in NXT. He's like, there was a shift in NXT. New tag champs, new women's champs, and women's tag team champions. Braun Breaker was supposed to become the new champion, but no one told Ciampa. Ciampa said Braun earned his respect last week, but one thing was for sure. At the end of the night, I am the god of NXT. He says, with, with this comes great responsibility, a target on his back, and then out comes Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Now Hayes says, look, I hate to be that guy, but I'm that guy. And he says, it feels like the one who needs to come put Ciampa in check. And Hayes like, look around. It's not about y'all any longer. There's a new school on the rise, and I'm the leader. And Hayes wants Tom to take this with the most disrespect. As long as I have this, as long as I'm on this show with this title, the North American title, you will take a back seat. And you got the crowd is chanting, Tampa's gonna kill you. And Hayes declares that he is the A champion of NXT. And that's what it's going to be. Now, Ciampa says, I looked in your eyes, and no, Hayes doesn't believe a word you just said. And he tells Hayes, if you're feeling froggy, then jump. And then Trick interrupts, starting running his mouth about how they're the main event, but Ciampa drops him, and he's facing off with Hayes. With Look, I think that would be another good match. And you got Gargano and Dexter Loomis coming out, and I, I love the tease of Johnny Gargano and Ciampa. Maybe uh, DIY again or another match with them, but look, they had their match already, so no point of it. But the main event I thought was good. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams got the win. Dexter Loomis ate the pin, and it's still building up Gargano and uh, Carmelo Hayes for the NXT North American title. But all in all, NXT, I don't use this word thusly, was a skippable show. That's the best way I could say it. It was a skippable show. That's how I could put it. Now, before we get into SmackDown, um, we have an update regarding Nia Jax. Now, she just released a statement about her release, and um, this really paints a bad light on uh, WWE. A really bad light on this company. So what I'm what I'm gonna do I'm gonna read um just adjusting the mic um I want to read her post on Instagram and this is her statement coming out of her mouth okay 
This is what she said. I usually keep my personal life private, but yesterday's report leaves me with no option but to clarify matters. I recently took a short leave of absence from WWE for a mental health break. I've been working through so much, more than I can share. And so I took some time with a full support of the company to take care of myself. Earlier this week, after WWE sent me my schedule to return to the ring for the November 15th show, I asked for an extension to my mental health break, feeling that I needed more time and hoping I would have an ongoing support of the company. I have given my all for the past seven years. I did not receive a response. The next I heard, I was being released. My vaccination status was never mentioned. I wasn't given any choices or options. It breaks my heart to be so abruptly let go without consolation when dealing with uh, so many so much privately I love my career in WWE I love the men and women I worked with and I am going to need time to process this huge loss I appreciate those people who have shown understanding and compassion during an incredible difficult time now, WWE, knowing them, they, they did not respond at all, which paints a really bad light in this company, like I mentioned. And you just release someone who's currently dealing with a mental health situation. Like, you release somebody who's trying to re take a break. And literally, you're just scrutinizing yourself even further with that shit. That's a bad look on this company. A really bad look on WWE and they can try and make excuses like I mentioned in my 45 minute rant in the beginning of the part 2 edition of this episode uh, which is literally the full episode um, then this company is completely brain dead completely brain dead I actually feel bad for Nia Jax I really do even though she could be a controversial figure but at the end of the day, WWE presented themselves as just a bunch of bad businessmen. That's just how I see it, in my honest opinion. But I just want to give y'all the update for that. SmackDown Live took place in uh, the Ford Center at um, Evansville, Indiana. And I thought it was, it was alright. It was an alright show. Not bad, even though I did not live tweet because I was still just upset over WWE releasing half of their talent and, and they're doing all these business changes to the point where I just cannot care about this company anymore. Like, like I'm dead serious. I'm really in the verge of that breaking point. That's how, that's how bad that this company has gotten. Like, and I'm dead serious. Like, so much so that I tweeted um, this before SmackDown went on the air. I literally said, at this point, what's the point on what, of watching WWE if they continue to make business decisions that's going to tick off the fan base? I honestly don't care what happens on SmackDown tonight. I'm literally reaching my breaking point with this company right now. 
and I'm thankful there's alternative wrestling products to watch. So far, people are like, like I only got five people who agrees with me because it's true. Everything I said was true. But this show right here, I thought it was all right. Okay, it was all right. Even though people asking why are you still watching it, I have to cover this shit. So Roman Reigns made his return after a week off, and Cole is pretty much saying Reigns was on vacation, and the crowd's chanting "You suck," and Reigns takes the mic and he says. Look, I wasn't here last week because when you smash someone like Brock Lesnar, you got to celebrate, so I took a vacation. Now, he says that he heard everyone grumbling about Reigns not being on the show last week. And he's like, and he's like, I'm here now. And he tells this tiny little town of Indiana to acknowledge me. He recalls how he and his wife had a great week, saying that he... He was running around naked on a private island. And he says, but not everyone had a great week. In fact, it was a lot of bad week for a lot of us. And he said that dumbass Lesnar had a bad week because he got himself fined $1 million, which, like I said, he could easily pay, and got suspended indefinitely. Rain says he's responsible for that because he's got the juice and the stroke around here. He makes it happen. Now, Reigns asks, uh, Heyman, what else happened last week? And he's ranting about Caleb Braxton harassing him, but that's not what Roman Reigns was asking him about. And he brings up how the Usos lost their non-title match to to the New Day. And Reigns asks if the fans like the New Day, and he pretty much gives them props, but he says that they're not better than the bloodline. And he's having a hard time understanding how his cousins got beat by the New Day. And he's asking which one of them got pinned. Like, he's like the father scolding their uh, sons. And they're pointing the finger at each other. And he puts his arms around Jimmy Uso. And some fans begin to chant for the New Day. And Reigns is like, Because of you, Jimmy, these people are chanting for the New Day. And he asks him, how are you going to fix this problem? And Jimmy, he takes the mic and he says, look, I got Reigns. And he said last week, he's going to kick Wood's crown off, make him acknowledge who the tribal chief really is, and who the real king is, and who the universal champion is. And out comes... The New Day, King Xavier and Sir Kingston. So, they're taunting the bloodline from the stage, and Woods proposes that if Jimmy can beat him tonight, Woods will acknowledge the tribal chief. Like, Woods will acknowledge the tribal chief. But if Xavier Woods wins, um, Jimmy will be forced to bend the knee to me. He says. Now, Jimmy says no one is taking orders from those chumps or bending knees. Jay Uso speaks up and he says that the bloodline bend the knee to nobody. Now, there was this funny moment where Roman has got his hands like right by um, Jay Uso, like 
demanding the mic and Heyman is just screaming. You're supposed to give him the mic. What are you doing? <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. Um, but Rain speaks up and he accepts the challenge for the bloodline. And Kofi declares Jimmy versus King Woods for tonight. And we got the match, which I thought the opening segment was was okay. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Anything with Roman makes things so cool. Because he is literally the only thing that I enjoy about WWE at this point. Besides Asuka. Besides EO. Besides, like, the people that they um have that I could literally give a shit about. So... We had Naomi versus Shayna Baszler. This one got some time, surprisingly. And they had a decent match. It wasn't that bad. Naomi got the win with the roll-up, okay? Now, this whole storyline with Sonya having issues with Naomi, I still want to know why Sonya Deville has an issue with Naomi. Like, I'm I'm telling you. As soon as Sonya Deville is cleared, like, pretty much getting ready to compete... This is the feud we're going to see at WrestleMania. Calling it right now. Now, Sonya Deville comes out and she says no one is leaving the ring until she makes her remark. Now, she claims that Naomi grabbed the ropes, even though I did not see her grab the ropes. Um, Right before the pin, which means it should have been released. Which means the pin didn't count at all. And... She has no choice to restart the match, but we had Shayna Baszler apply the Kirafuda clutch, and Naomi passes out, and Shayna Baszler gets her win. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I mean, this storyline, I'm still intrigued by it, but at the same time, how long are we going to wait to see Sonya Deville, like, actually compete in the ring? We don't need to see her as a WWE official. I think she could bring more in that SmackDown women's division instead of being an authority figure. Save that for Adam Pearce. Because I think sooner or later, Adam Pearce is going to fire, like speak to the higher-ups and have Sonya Deville removed as a WWE official. But the catch is, you're going to be reinstated as a wrestler and you're going to be on the SmackDown brand and you're going to be facing Naomi at Wrestlemania that's just my hunch I think that's a good idea if, if you ask me but um I thought this storyline I'm this storyline I'm liking so far but I still want an explanation on why Sonya Deville despises Naomi I just need more explanations now I love this backstage segment with the bloodline so Roman's ranting about how, and I love this line. This was the line of the light, the of the night. He says that I take one vacation, and he says now SmackDown sucks. It's almost as bad as Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I, trust me, I will laugh too. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Raw. <laughs> oh, that is a great line. And you got the Usos laughing, and Rain is just getting serious. He's like, this is not a joke. And Jimmy is apologizing, but Reigns is getting upset, and he gets in Jimmy's face. And he asks Jimmy Uso what they don't do 
No, he asked Jey Uso what they don't do because they are the ones. And Jay hypes him up with some words of encouragement and then leaves with Jimmy as Reigns looks on. So I, I love that. I love that segment. I thought it was really good. Kayla Braxton, she was backstage with um, Ridge Holland, the newest addition to SmackDown. It lo- like, if you look closely at him, he looks like a big, a big version, muscled up version of Pete Dunne. And it scares me. <laughs> now, Ridge Holland asks, what's he looking forward to the most on SmackDown? And Holland says, I can't wait to meet my idol, the Celtic warrior Sheamus. And he says, Sheamus is tough and rugged and handles his business like he does and would fit in a perf- fit in perfectly back home. Now, he's talking about how everyone at his local pub used to watch Sheamus when he was... When he had a big match, including a WWE title win over John Cena, the Royal Rumble win, and so on. And he says Sheamus is an inspiration for him, and that's awful news for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the locker room. And he taps his baton a few times, and he walks off. So this is just getting people to know who Ridge Holland is, even though that's not how that's not what Ridge Holland was back in NXT. Like, I honestly don't know what they're going to have planned for this guy on uh, the blue brand. Now, Kayla Braxton, after they showed a recap of what happened last week with Shotzi attacking Sasha, both Charlotte and Sasha were not on the show tonight. Now, Shotzi says that she had enough. Like, after Kayla asked what happened last week, she finally had enough. She mentioned that she lost her title opportunities lost her tag team partner, like whether it's Tegan Knox who's moved to Monday Night Raw, or Ember Moon, who got cut since coming to SmackDown, and she's lost the support of the WWE Universe. Um, I still support you, uh, Shotzi Blackheart. I really do. Now, and she says, and thanks to Sasha Banks last week, she lost the biggest match of her entire career. Shotzi will not smile and pretend everything is okay any longer. She says Banks' patronizing attitude was her breaking point and now Banks is her target. She says she will run over Banks and anyone else who gets in her way and she doesn't need a tank to do it. So I think that's a hint that um they are going to remove the tank from Shotzi's entrance, which honestly, I mean, it only works as a fa- when she's a face, but... um. That entrance with the tank is just so organic. It's just it's so cool. But um, that's just how I see things. Now, we had we had um Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, and they got a tag team name Los Lothario. And if you look it up in the dictionary, it means a man who behaves selfishly slash irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. That's what it means. And they're getting that tag team name, and they took on um the team of Cesaro and Mansoor, which we knew what was going to happen. Garza and Carrillo were getting the, the shine here, so... Cesaro unfortunately had to take the pin and seriously Cesaro deserves better than this he gets a mini push and then he's back to where he was again inexcusable inexcusable we see Jeff Hardy talking to Aaliyah when 
Kayla Braxton interrupted uh, for an interview, and Hardy introduces Kaylee to Aaliyah. And she walks off to let them do the interview, but Jeff apologizes and stops Kayla so he can follow Aaliyah as he sees her stop and talk to Sammy, who is apparently harassing her. Now, Sammy tells Aaliyah it's not about appearances here. I mean, try saying that to Vince, because that's how he's looking at things right now. And that she should show people she means business by wearing a paint suit. Now, Sammy walks off and she asks, now Aaliyah asks Hardy if Sammy's always like that. And Hardy says yes. And he tells Aaliyah, welcome to SmackDown. So, that was pretty much that. Nothing really special here. We had Drew McIntyre doing an open challenge, and he took on Ricochet, which I thought the match was pretty good. I thought the match was pretty good. And you had Mustafa Ali watching backstage. I thought Drew and Ricochet had a really good match. And Drew actually is saying, you you did good. You did good. Like, I thought Ricochet did his damnedest to take on someone like Drew. And he they even teased something with Ali and Ricochet. Like, Ali wanted to form a tag team partner with, uh, like a tag team with um, Ricochet, but Ricochet denied it, saying you're just, a lo-. like he didn't say it bluntly, he's pretty much calls him a loser, and he's like, you're just a jerk. And he walks off, so it looks like we're going to see a feud between Ali and Ricochet, which I think should be pretty good. There was a happy talk segment with the Viking Raiders as the guest. The less said about it, the better. I don't care about it. I muted my laptop. Um, But this led to a match between the Viking Raiders versus Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss, which, I mean, I did not really care about it. And... This led to a count-out win for the Viking Raiders because they didn't want to take the abuse from Ivar. So, I just said, that's whatever. And I thought the main event was pretty good. I thought Xavier Woods and Jimmy Uso put on a really good match, but the post-match was was freaking awesome. Now, Mike Rome announced that Jimmy Uso must bend the knee and pay homage to King Woods. He puts on the crown, brings his scepter as... You have the bend the knee chant start up. Jimmy says no way, but the referee tells him that he must follow the stipulation. Now, Jimmy slowly bends his knee. Woods places the scepter at him, and out comes Roman Reigns, flying in the ring and drops him with a Superman punch. He drops Xavier Woods with a Superman punch. And they're unloading on the New Day, in which the crowd are booing, which I thought that was great. And they're focusing on Kofi while Woods comes from behind on Reigns. So they fight, and the Usos drop uh, Xavier Woods with a double super kick. Crowd is chanting, we want Lesnar, which, I mean, he's suspended. And Reigns, and I love this. The way Kofi sold um, Roman Spear, picture perfect. So, the bloodline, they stand tall. The Usos, they double-team um, to take Kofi, uh, to take out his leg. Jay holds Kofi down in a single crab. Jimmy goes up top, hits the splash on the knee, 
while Reigns is holding Xavier Woods. And he makes him watch, which I I love. That is great heel work right there. And he's kneeling down, and he's talking trash to Woods, and he's threatening him if he decides to show up next week. Like, if he shows up next week. So, the Universal Champion stay, stands tall in this match, like in this uh, closing segment, which I thought was a really strong closing segment. I thought SmackDown was pretty decent. Really good show. Then we get to Friday Night Rampage, which took place in St. Louis. And we open things off with a late addition. We had Brian Danielson versus Anthony Bones of the Acclaim. I did like Max, Max Caster's rap, which was a diss at John Laurinaitis. And if I think Sean Ross Sapp tweeted it. I did not write this on my notes, which I should have. Because I thought the line that Max Caster did was just really, really good. Really good. Because, <laughs> just Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to put you in poverty, dog, before, because I'm ending careers quicker than your father-in-law. And for those who don't know, Danielson's father-in-law is John Laurinaitis. The guy who cut who gave them the emails and the calls that, hey, uh, no offense, but we have to release you due to, uh, few, due to budget cuts. That guy. People power. But anyway, Brian Danielson and Anthony Bones had a fun match. I thought Anthony Bones looked great as a singles competitor. There was one spot where he did, like, an inverted DDT, which, like, he had Brian on a... On the like turnbuckle, the middle turnbuckle, turned him into like turned it into an inverted DDT, which looked great. But I thought this was a fun match. Brian Danielson won. This was just a sh- an easy win for him. My main event was the face-off between CM Punk and uh, Eddie Kingston. Now CM Punk comes out right, and we go to commercial break. And when we got back, he's since he's telling people, I know there's people at home who think I'm jogging around the ring for about an hour or so. So he's like, I'm just standing here and all I'm waiting for is an apology from Eddie Kingston. Now, Eddie Kingston's music hits, but he does not show up. And Punk says, like, I'm not surprised. Oh, here comes the Mad King and he's just dashing. Like, just walking with so much anger. Now, Punk knows is condescending to ask another man for an apology. But he's enraged Kingston. But he's enraged and then Kingston interrupted him. And he's sarcastically apologizing to CM Punk. Saying that he was homesick. And was wor- wor- he wasn't too worried about pissing off Punk. And he revealed that guys like... CM Punk, guys like Samoa Joe, Homicide, and The Amazing Red were his heroes in the indies. And he literally says, now I look at you, CM Punk, as a narcissistic bitch. And I love the fire in this promo from both of these guys. Like I said, last episode, if if you put CM Punk and Eddie Kingston in the ring and they sell you on the match that they're trying to um, give to you guys, 
It's going to be must-see. And they did just that. Now, the fans are cheering for Eddie Kingston. And Punk admits that guys like you, Kingston, that guys Kingston listed did watch your work. And they felt he fell short. And he proceeded to call him a bum, which got some boos. Not gonna lie, I did hear some boos. Kingston retorted with, with a bum main event full gear, which was in 2020. And Kingston warns he'll land the big juicy slap if Punk doesn't wipe that smirk off his face. And I know he mentioned about uh, the house as well. Try to sell his like during the pandemic. So pretty much Kingston challenged him to a fight at full gear. And I'm like, oh, yes. This is going to be fucking awesome. And Punk thought the future match would happen on Dark Elevation or Dark because it seems like that's more of your speed. So Punk agreed on his proposal and this was the wham line from Eddie Kingston. I thought Eddie Kingston won that promo battle, in my honest opinion. Now Kingston ended ended this with one more statement and he says... He wants Punk to take another seven-year hiatus, like if he wins. Quit wrestling. And he also mentioned that nobody's telling you this, but nobody never wanted you here in AEW to begin with. And now after the seven-year hiatus one, that line right there, CM Punk headbutted um, um, Eddie Kingston, which reminded me of Kurt Angle getting headbutted by Samoa Joe. And they had a really big pull-apart brawl, and that ended the segment in which Tony Khan confirmed on Twitter that the match will happen at full gear. I'm fucking excited for it. I think that's going to be great. And the story is right there. So, I'm really looking forward to this. But this was a fantastic way. This is, this is how you sell people for a match. This is how you get people excited. It's not hard. Made it look easy. You don't have to overscript everything. You don't have to put all the stamps that you want on it. Let them sell. Let the talent sell the audience on why you should be excited for this match. That's it. Instead of trying to force it down everyone's throats. That's just how I see it. We had Red Velvet versus um the Bunny. I mean, after the CM Punk Eddie Kingston match, uh, no, not match the. Face off. I actually like zoned out a little bit on some of the parts. Um, I thought this match was just eh. That's just how I said it. Say it. It's just eh. It didn't have that um that Hikaru Shida Serena Deep feel to me because I thought that was the best round in that first round tournament. Um, but Red Velvet she got the win over the Bunny and she's gonna meet Jay Cargill in the quarterfinals. Which I think is going to be interesting because these two have a history against each other. And finally, in the main event, we had Adam Cole beating uh, John Silver. I thought this was a really this was a good match, and Adam Cole gets to win with the Boom, which is the Shining Wizard. So here's the question: Do you prefer the Last Shot or Boom? Honestly, I like calling his Shining Wizard the Last Shot. It is. It just has a nice ring to it, if you ask me. But 
Um, Adam Cole wins, and we closed out Rampage with that. An overall fun show. An enjoyable show. And on that note, I am getting the heck out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode, and I hope you enjoyed that 45-minute rant when I talked about uh, the WWE releases and how I really feel. And it was all from the heart. So, like, I want to know what you think. Do you think WWE should really take responsibility on letting these people go? Who out of the name shocked you? And who do you think they fumbled on the most? Which mostly the majority will be all all of them. But that's pretty much that. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Follow me on Instagram, CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page. Uh, no one's ready for wrestling. And I want to give a special little shout outs. Because I know we got some birthdays coming soon. So, I know I have a certain brother of mine that's going to come on a Monday. So, happy early birthday to my brother. And another special person that I call my favorite streamer in the universe. Happy birthday to my friend Milky. And you'll probably um, hear me do the birthday shout out again on the next episode. Which will be episode 140. Uh, Follow me. Follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix. Like the Facebook page. And keep sending me your questions. The one and only Phoenix, 1993 at gmail.com. It could be about anything. Please include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out on this show. So until then, take care. Be safe. Support wrestling as much as you can. And this Phoenix flies off. I'll talk to you later, guys. Peace out.